Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. There's really no other choice, so we just we just we just run out the cuff. So, uh, hello everybody. Um, my guest today. Um, this is episode 184 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today is Caitlin King, um, which sounds still weird to this day for me to call you that because I find when you go to you know someone from a young age, your maiden name is always the name I just like in my brain. So it's mm-hmm. it's like a mind trip. Um, I actually had to change it too because I was like I I didn't want to screw it up on paperwork and things, so I had to put your you know your new name. Um, but Caitlin King. Uh, I've known her since I was a kid, um, and I'm going to get this correct. She's the Assistant Vice President, Commercial Relationship Manager at Glens Falls National Bank and Trust Company. Perfect. Good. It was a mouthful, <laughs> but we figured I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't butcher it. It's right in front of me, so that was my... Uh, um, but, um, Caitlin, welcome. Thank you. I've heard you've done a ton of podcasts, so this is really easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old pro. So... So uh, I listen to podcasts. That's about as far as I've gotten. We, we can talk about that. I, I, I'm a big <laughs> podcast guy. So um, for people that do not know you, who are you? Can you give us a little rundown on you. Uh, so I am a native of the area. So we went to school together in Shazy. Yeah. Shout out Eagles. And shout out to the Shazy Eagles. I um, went to school here to uh, college, SUNY Plattsburgh, and moved away for a long time and just recently came back in the last couple of years, just in time for COVID. And you know. shifted inside your house well. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'm in the banking profession. Um, so first thing I want to say before we start is congratulations on winning the Trailblazer of the Year Award. And Thank you. So what was funny about that award, because um, I want to hear your perspective on this, but I'm just giving yeah. you a very quick backstory. We're part of a special club now. Yes. I, I was... I got it a couple years ago, right before the pandemic. Um, for, I would say probably the most meaningful award I've ever received. Um, I would still say, like, obviously, like some, you know, some team sports um, championships obviously are meaningful because of the people. I was were, there for that too. Yes, yeah. So the people that I, w- <laughs> I was with on that uh, many years ago, but th- that's still um, something that you you never lose. You know, championship team and you know all your friends and stuff at the time, but. Um, from an individual award, that was the coolest award I've ever gotten. Yeah. But the funny thing um, about it is last year, Monty won it. Mm-hmm. And then it was, so it's me, Monty, you. Yeah. And what was funny was last year, I remember watching the whole thing. And it, was, it was on virtual. And she won it. She was coming on the podcast the following week. Already lined up. Like, the, like oh, she won really? it on a Friday. Or it was a Friday. She was coming on like Tuesday or Wednesday the And following now we're week. doing it again. And then you win it, and I'm like, perfect. I'm like, Caitlin's coming to the podcast. So <laughs> I, I, so I almost, it's, it's like two years in a row, which is eerie. So I'm actually kind of, so if anybody hopes to win that award, 
as of right now, we have a two-year correlation <laughs> of try to get on my podcast like the last week or first – last week of February. This, this actually was pushed back a little bit, the award ceremony. But but uh, then again, we did put, push this back too a couple We pushed times. this back, so it like ended up working out. But <laughs> if you know when the award ceremony is going to be, try to get on like a week or two after. Yeah. And you might have a good chance Seal of winning. Seal the fame. So, uh, so first off, winning that award, you knew about it. Yeah. Because they tell you. But how was that? Well, um, so <laughs> – so Christy called me, Christy Kennedy, and uh, I guess she, she championed to be the one to call me. She was really excited about it. So she calls me, and I was having a rough week. My, my husband's grandfather was really sick, and so we had been driving back and forth to Chateaugay, and it was, everybody was exhausted. And I see the chambers calling me, and it was Christy, and I'm like, oh, she needs me to do something. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so I said, hey, and she said, hey, you know how we have the awards coming up? And I said, yeah well, you know how there's, you know, the Trailblazer Award? And I said, yeah. And I'm, I'm expecting she needs help with the award ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> well, it turns out that you're the one that won that award. And I just about fell out of my chair. I mean, I'm not a crier. There was definitely a couple of tears. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, and I said, Christy, this couldn't have come at a better time because I was just having such an awful week. And mm-hmm. it was just made my day, made my week. It's still making my year. I mean... The I I know I've said it over and over and I've posted it that how surprised and grateful I am but I never saw it coming. Well, and I think I think <laughs> one of the one of the cool things about it is there's really no and I I mean I've kind of known the backstory of like how you get picked and mm-hmm. I'm told that basically Gary picks you which if Gary's picking me for anything I will take that award and run with it so I don't know because when I got it I'm like I don't even know if Gary knows who I am like. Well, and then, yeah. and then I found that after the fact, like, no, idiot, he's the one that picks him. Like, oh, but, um, but no, I think, um, one, it's impactful and meaningful because of who is actually he- like bestowing yeah. it upon you, like mm-hmm. the organization, which um, I would say is our business governing body or whatever you want to call it. Um, and also coming from knowing it's from Gary having his hands in it along with some other people. But then you also look at that as like, that's cool. But then also it's, it's only given to one person and you're not up against just bankers. You're up against everybody Everybody in the business community. Yeah. And there's a lot of, and the one thing that I, when I went up and I was thinking about the award, I'm like, holy shit, they could have picked like all these other really good people. I know it. And so that's when it kind of becomes like, almost like you won a lottery, but then, but then it also validates stuff that you've been doing that. Cause I, again, I know, you know, being a mother, obviously is a, is a full-time job in itself, oh, yeah. but then you turn around and, and now you're in a, you know, I would say, a, um, and like a newish career, right? You've been, how long have you been there for? I've only been with this company for a year. Okay. I was gonna say, I knew it was a newer like yeah. company, but, um, but also being kind of thrust into, I would say a, a fairly prominent role within the organization mm-hmm. and being able to do that along with other stuff that, I mean, we'll kind of get to some other things, but yeah. I, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and I'm, Again, I'm guessing you do a ton of stuff that nobody would ever, ever see. Yeah. So when you're having those late nights and those like stressful moments and all this stuff and you're like, oh my God, why am I doing this? Why am I killing myself <laughs> to do all this? And then for having someone to actually reach out and say like, no, we acknowledge that. Like you've done a lot of stuff and we see it and we recognize it and you're doing a lot of good in the community. Yeah. And then to turn around and say, you're that person. It's like, oh. It's validating. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, were you nervous to go up and give your speech? Yeah. <laughs> okay. was, How many drinks did you have in before so you went out? I had one because one? I didn't want to get up there and make a fool. I have a history of putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> so 
So there's a fine line. Like you know where to play in that. I knew exactly. I said, actually, the first thing I said when I got off the stage, I sat down, hearts racing, and I went, okay, now I can drink. <laughs> were, you the first, were you the first one? I, I couldn't make I it this year. I was the second person. Okay. okay. That's what I was wondering. Because I, I, they rescheduled it. I couldn't make it this mm-hmm. year. I was actually like texting people like who won because obviously Trailblazers is the one I like because it's typically you, you my were peer. relaxing in the sun somewhere. Well, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I was sick for a lot of vacation too, so I mean it was one. It was fine though. Yeah. It, was, it was good. But yes, I was in a warmer spot. But um, so you were second at least, which is good. Yeah, I didn't have to go up first. I knew when I was going to be coming up, so I had some time to mentally prepare for that. But I am not a public speaker, and I don't even honestly don't even remember the last time I spoken public. I mean, I, you know, gave me a little spiel at the Rotary Club. Maybe that's probably the closest I've come in years. And to stand up there in front of 350 oh, plus people, there was a ton I was of people say, there. You're probably night. pushing over four. There was yeah. more people that night. I think they said that than they haven't, they've had in years. Mm-hmm. I think everybody was so excited to get out into public. And, um, yeah, I went up there and I didn't have any notes and it was off the cuff and nice. it went really well. I got a lot of compliments afterwards and I said, wow, I'm glad, I'm glad that you think I did well because when you get up there, I, you almost black out a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I said, well, I'm glad you like what I said because I don't really remember what I said. Do you ever get up when you're in front of a lot of people and just talk and then realize like at a certain point, you know there's people, but you just tune out who's in the audience. Yes. And then I'm just talking, and then I feel like I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> but I try to like look around, and I just say, they're either going to love it or hate it, and mm-hmm. I basically just have to commit, and yep. I just go with it. Um, <laughs> Thank God my family and my business partners were sitting at the table right in front of me. That was very helpful. That, yeah, that helps. Because I didn't have to really look around. the. Ro- I tried to look around the room a lot, but you know, you're not really looking at anything <laughs> the blackout moment happened that's when the blackout happened uh, but the speech that you didn't have it written down was off the cuff well i had i had an idea of what i wanted to say i had jotted down a few things ahead of the time so i knew the certain couple of things that i wanted to say but i didn't bring up notes or anything like that because i didn't want to be sitting there buried in a piece of paper i i uh, that, that's i did the same and that's how i like to roll like yeah. I, just off the cuff like if i screw up i screw up but yeah. it's like it's more genuine yeah from exactly the heart and, um so now from that, did you get like a wave of a bunch of people just reaching out to you? Yeah. Yes, I did. After um, that happened, well, that night especially, I had a ton of people come up to me and people that I, I've i never even met before. I thought it was great. Um, you know, Elise Stefanik came up and, mm-hmm. and said, congratulations. She even sent me a letter afterwards. I have, uh, so my that's did my award. And then I have her and Billy up there yeah and they're the first two public officials that have ever recognized me for anything which yeah. is not, i haven't done anything yep. to warrant a recognition so i ended up framing it so i'm like it's kind of a cool it little cool. like memorial wall yeah but, of course um yeah so that was that kind of a rush too that was neat to see you yeah. know it's i've never gotten a letter with a congress congresswoman or a congressman on it and it wasn't for asking for money or anything no. so. <laughs> looking for a vote or anything that's it well you never know you never know yeah it could be it doesn't hurt the chances if you get something but it's, right. it's still a cool thing um yeah so, so and even afterwards at the like the irish breakfast and everything like that i still had folks coming up to me and stuff well that was it's usually not that close together yeah so that was kind of i mean like i said it's still fresh and people i think kind of just like it's almost like a, a chamber dinner hangover into the breakfast. So it's yeah. kind of like a perfect... It uh, really was a hangover too because I was very sick that day. And I, I I said, I have to make it to this thing because um, I, you know, it's the little things, being being present for those things. Well, if, there, if you really look at, I, in my, 
there's a couple. The top three, I think, is obviously the dinner, the chamber expo, and then the Irish breakfast. That's yeah. like the big three. You could put like Taste of the North Country and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, those are the major three. Yeah. Um, so it's like you really don't want to miss those. Exactly. And you also get like at this point in time, a lot of those people are friends of ours. So it's like when you go and meet them, it's like it doesn't feel like business. It feels like I just want to go hang out with it's people just I know. Fun. And, yeah, because you're at a house, you don't have the kids. You're like, this is yeah. great. You talk yeah. to humans and adults. I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I'd wanted to because I was sick that week. But um, but everybody else seemed to like they're having a good time. But <laughs> I was so overtired. So backstory: I wasn't contagious. Let's just this let's just what, put for this the breakfast out the or table. the dinner. The breakfast. Okay. Um, since we're in the land of COVID, I don't, yeah. I want the public to know I was not out at the breakfast with COVID. No, I ended up, um, I was, uh, apparently not drinking enough water, busy working mom and ended up with an awful kidney infection. And Tuesday yep. of last week, what it was last week, right? The breakfast Yeah. Tuesday of last week, I just got really sick and I couldn't figure out what was happening. Fever, cold, this and that and whole body was hurting. And I went to Hudson Headwaters and they strapped me up to an IV because I was so dehydrated. Just took the bags down like that? I, I, I don't you know. You have to pass any stones or anything? No. Oh, that's No, good. just really dehydrated and apparently didn't drink enough water and just got busy and didn't realize. So that's why you got the big gulp here today? Yep. Um, no coffee. <laughs> you drink coffee normally? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem. Like coffee, coffee. Like that's full. Yeah. That's I usually have two in the morning and then, you know, depending on what what meetings I have for the day, a lot of folks like to do afternoon coffee. Yeah. And so even if I'm not in the mood for it, I'll still go for it, you know. I still find sometimes in the middle of the afternoon, whether I'm tired or not, it's just the fact I'm sipping on something warm. Hot. It's comforting. Yeah. yeah. And in the summer, it's like, I'll get iced coffee because I'm just like sipping mm-hmm. on something cold. So I, I don't need that much caffeine, but it's it's just, I don't know. It's something I've just grown up with. Um, so anyway, the point of that story was I should have enjoyed it more. I couldn't even have a drink for the (laughs) St. Patty's Day. Oh, yeah. I was going to say pump the fluids in. Uh Um, So um, going back, I mean, looking at a lot of the – like what got you into banking first off? Because you have a psychology degree. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Which is fine because my degree has nothing to do with real estate. But I think – What's your degree? uh, Supply chain management. Oh. But I went to Plattsburgh. Okay. Um, Maybe I'll bore you with that story after. But I want to hear you first. So you go (laughs) psychology um, and then you went into banking 2000 – when did you graduate – 2010 I, from college? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So then right after that, pretty much you got into banking. Yeah. So I graduated 2010 um, and my friend at the time, who's my current husband, okay. had moved to um, Florida. He was doing an aviation degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started dating long distance and I moved down to be there where he was and he got picked up by Boeing and we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. And so when we went there, I was looking for a degree, um, for something in my field, couldn't find anything. I only had my bachelor's at the time. And so if, if you're, if you've got a bachelor's degree in psychology, it's pretty much useless unless you're going to go for a doctorate. Um, and I didn't oh, have plans to like do that. Like beyond a master's? I mean, there's some stuff you can do with it, but I mean, if you really want to take your career far, yeah. you really have to put in a lot of hours in the education department. Okay. Um, so anyway, I was just looking for something to kind of pay the bills for a little while because we had just moved there. And I went to uh, my local bank and was setting up an account with my husband. And I was telling him all the features and things like that. And the girl across the desk goes, you you know more about this stuff than I do. You should come work for us. And I was like, oh, I'll try it out. Turned out I was really good at it. You know, I think psychology is going to prepare you for anything that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you know how to relate to people and talk to people and you can understand folks, then... You know, you can kind of 
so put it, that into anything. What did you start? Did you start off just like front teller at the front desk? Kind no, of thing? I was a customer service rep. So I was just doing, you know, accounts and helping people with their problems. And um, turns out I ended up using the psychology degree a lot more. I kept tissues in my desk because yep. money makes people cry more than you would think. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and I did that for a couple of years. Then I did investments for a few years. I was really good at that. I loved working with investments. That was really interesting to me. I like to be able to help people plan for their futures and, you know, find ways to be financially secure. And I've always been good with money. And, um, and then the branch that I first started at opened up their management role and I took on that role, um, right after I had my first child. So I was a brand new mom. Good timing. <laughs> I had a brand new branch and it was a lot. Um, but it was good. I, I managed branches for six years. Um, and I was doing a lot of small business lending and knew I wanted to work with businesses. So this was a perfect opportunity when Glens Falls National came knocking. Did you work Did you work at the branch in Chasey? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. That's, That's how I transferred up. Okay. I, I, I'm looking at this. I'm like, the, yeah. The it was very brief little... because most it was mostly during COVID. So gotcha. I was there when everything shut down and, you know, we were running on a skeleton crew. It was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So then you ended up. So you've done, okay, so you have two kind of things. So assistant vice president, oh, good, same thing. Okay, so now what's, right now you're at Glens Falls National mm-hmm. Bank and Trust Company, but what is, uh, <laughs> what's Aero Financial Corp? Is that that's the That's the company? parent company, yeah. So, they, so they're so they over Glens Falls National Bank, but there's also Saratoga National. Gotcha, okay. So there's some, I, I couldn't tell you the exact I know exact the emails, because anytime I used to email Stacey Hillman, she, I was always like, it's not at Glens Falls, that's something different. So Aero it's Aero Bank. and then like Sierra now and, yep. and your email and stuff. So um so when you switched over to Glens Falls National, like what, obviously, like kind of what was that transition like? You know, different opportunity, different kind of role. So yeah. what's your what's your current role right now? So my current role, you know, the besides all the fancy titling, it's I'm a commercial lender. So you know, folks come to me and say, you know, I want to purchase this commercial real estate, um, and I do the financing for it. Is basically the long and short of it. Uh, we're working on some big projects right now in the Plattsburgh area, so that's pretty nice. exciting. Um, I, I always, uh, when it comes down to like commercial and stuff, because you really start to dive into, um, inv- I guess I say investments, but investments of people and companies coming to the area, which is always a strong suit. Mm-hmm. So when you have more and more, because um, a lot of the commercial, if the commercial comes in, it's in theory going to open up new opportunities or new jobs, or hopefully jobs that allow people to move up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in turn that ends up feeding the economy, exactly. you know, the, the, the residential side of it. Residential really is, I mean, people only live here because of opportunity. And I mean, yep. if all the companies left, it's fine. But then you turn into one of those remote, like you'll turn, you know, like an Ellenberg or, you know, any of these places that are just kind of farther out from like a, a, a hub. Um, so I kind of look at anytime I see commercial real estate doing well, it's a great driver and indicator of what's to come residentially. Yeah. Um, so what's your, now being in it about a year, what's your kind of pulse on the commercial real estate end of it, you know, um, it locally? I mean, it, there's requests left left and right. I mean, you know, you've got folks like TDC who are just driving the economy in this area with the manufacturing um, industry. So, I mean, I see nothing but good things. I mean, I've, I've been working on some really big projects. Um, we just finished uh, that big project at Murnane. Um, put up on Connecticut Ave. Oh, yep. yep. So Sterex, uh, they're going to be moving, I think, into that building. So, um, you know, anything that comes to us, 
we get to participate in basically growing the economy. So that's what's so gratifying about it too, mm-hmm. is you, there are certain things about banking that in the beginning when you're on the branch level, they're, they're gratifying, but it's only to a certain extent, right? Because, you know, you're still going to be dealing with folks asking for overdraft fees back or, mm-hmm. you know, the... the Waving of this. Yeah, that. the mundane stuff. But when you get into commercial lending, every single thing that you're doing and every single thing that you work on has a major impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking, we're working in the millions of dollars at this point. Mm-hmm. And those projects are coming right back to our economy. And so for me to be back in this area where I grew up, and helping to grow the economy in this area. That's really cool for me. Um, so one of my, anytime I tell anybody in the company or other people if they care, care to listen, is that like my grand vision of like why I do anything or why I want to work is mm-hmm. purely to make the make our area a better place. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody and I said, at the end of the day, not to sound morbid, but everybody's going to die. So it's <laughs> like, if you're going to die... I would say at least do something where it's like more of a legacy mm-hmm. play. And it doesn't mean you have to have your name on a building or anything like no. that. But I think it's the idea that did you play your part in trying to make our area better? And the one thing that I really like it and I kind of uh, attribute basically what you just said is that if we have, you know, we have a lot of really good people around here. And we have, you know, so whatever the education is, whether it's high school or college, but you see kids that may go away to a college. Um, and then stay there, go somewhere else, or kids that come to Plattsburgh State and decide to go back home, or kids that go to Plattsburgh State and decide to move the area, whatever it might be. But I've always looked at, and I've, I've known this for many years because this was something why I never really wanted to leave the area. Was I? I like the area. I like the people. I have you know family and friends, but I'm like, I like also being like an underdog. I like working hard to try to like. It, to me, it's easy. If it's kind of like sports, if I went and just played on a really good sports team. And we did well. It wouldn't be as meaningful as if I, we kind of rose up and made this team together. So like, yeah. obviously people are like, oh, Shazy Soccer. I'm like, yeah, but you don't realize that I played on this, the, like one of the earliest teams ever won the state championship. Yeah. For years, we just never won a state championship. Mm-hmm. So it's like you still had to get over that hump. So I think that grind of trying to, to do that even on a team like that. So from a business standpoint, I... I made a shift like five years ago into looking at the big picture, not like you're helping someone buy a home. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, no, no. This is how it fits in the grand scheme of everything. So yep. then it becomes more impactful. So the idea is that you, myself, other people, it's if we can take all of our knowledge and talent and skills and then invest it directly back in our community mm-hmm. and grow our community. You have, you have a family around here. You have, I mean, now you have kids. And like, so you have generational. Um, mm-hmm. So when you start looking at that whole factor, it's like they're all going to be touched at some point by effort that you put in versus going to another state. And I'm not, I'm not picking on you with, with uh, South Carolina. I'm sure it was beautiful and warm down there. No, but, but you're, you're exactly right. You're hitting the hitting But you the feel more of a tie and more yes. of like, this is my, I have a bigger purpose here because yep. this is like, these are like my people. There's more personal responsibility in everything that yeah. you do. Yeah. When I was in South Carolina, I mean, it was, it was great. Um, but it, first of all, it was such a big place and I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not used to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're just kind of a blip on the screen when there's thousands of people down there and you know there's no personal ties to the things that you're working on it's just part of your job mm-hmm. where here you know if somebody calls me and says you know whatever it is like for example i'm working on a project right now a local um restaurant owner is trying to purchase a building 
but I know the restaurant. I know the owner. Mm -hmm. I know how passionate he is about what he's doing and what he wants to do. And um, when folks come to a lender, a lender can easily pass on those deals. You know, you're not obligated to do them. You know, it's based on, you know, your relationship. Do you believe in it? Um, you know, what the risk level is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to stick my neck out there and really try and work hard to try and get something done for somebody like that because it's going to come back to me and it's going to come back to our community. Yeah. So, you know. Well, too, it's like when people go to a bank, they're basically going, I mean, they have plans and stuff, but it's a vision. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, they're like, I want to, I need this for this, whatever the school exactly. is. So it's like, that's the thing too. And you feed off that energy, especially if you know that they're doing it with like the mm-hmm. intent of like, no, like I think I can really pull this off. And I think anybody that has pulling off stuff that's hard is, I mean, it's hard. I know it sounds silly or simplistic, yeah. but I look at anybody that's doing something meaningful or at least attempting to mm-hmm. do something. And they have that right intent that life's hard. Things happen. <laughs> it's like give people, you know some slack and help each other out but i think it's i think the good thing about this community is there's a lot of people that are willing to lend a hand to help others because i i kind of look at like everybody's on one big team and this and i I have a weird um and this is even like um even within industries like real estate like is traditionally a cutthroat yeah it's like a cutthroat industry but i'm like i don't compare myself to any other person around here because it's like i don't need to there's enough business there's enough like the pie's big enough. And I said, if we mm-hmm. all work together, the pie's going to get bigger yep. and that's going to benefit everybody. So I've always gone with the mindset of, um, you know, there's abundance, like an abundance mindset. And the mm-hmm. idea of like, let's just get everybody better and let's raise the, let's raise the level of my industry. Let's raise the level of other industries and let's just make this a better place. Yep. And we're going to attract more talent. We're going to attract more opportunity. We're going to attract more growth. And then as, as you know, it's just, it's a big, um, I kind of call it like a screw, like a screw goes around in circles, but every time you make a circle, you get higher up on the screw. Yep. So it's kind of like, that's what I look at the industry or not industry, but like our community is that if we can just keep rolling around that screw, every time we make a, make a rotation or, um, that we're naturally growing. Yep. And, uh, I think it's like I said, the way you just, you articulate that very well. I like that. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> what is your, um, I guess from a standpoint of the, Bank, let's talk bank a little bit and we'll dive into some other stuff. The sure. banking industry though, what is your um, hope or aspiration in your current role or even in the future? Like what do you think you could accomplish? Do you have you know big dreams or visions or? You know, um, I'm only a year into this role. I wasn't, I honestly didn't, I didn't go out seeking this role. Um, I didn't go out seeking a move even to be honest with you. Um, when Glens Falls National approached me, I was actually on a leave of absence after my father had passed. Yeah. And um, so I certainly wasn't looking to make any major life changes at the time. And so it took a lot of meetings and a lot of um, thought before I decided to move forward and and say yes to it. And I'm really glad that I did. Um, But because it's only been a year, uh, right now my goal is just to be the very best that I can at it because... Um, you know, that my industry, banking in general, there are a lot more women in it now than there used to be. Mm-hmm. But in the commercial world, the commercial lending world, mm-hmm. is very male-dominated. Very male-dominated. So um, I feel privileged just to be able to be here and make my mark on it and to make a name for myself in this industry. Um, because it's not something 
that should be male dominated. And I don't think anybody's done it on purpose or anything mm-hmm. like that. I think a lot of women probably don't even raise their hand for this type of opportunity. Um, maybe it's intimidating. I'm not sure. It's probably, I, I think commercial always has a level of intimidation cause it's big, yeah. but you know, like deal size, you know, impact and things like that. But, um, you know, I've, I, I, especially when it comes to like a male female thing, I grew up with two sisters, a mom. I had a lot of female friends. Like yeah. I have a wife, I have a daughter. Like I've always, everything to me, I'm a very like level person. I'm always like, um, like meritocracy. Like if you, you earn it, then you yeah. should be like sports. If you're better and you worked hard and you earn the spot, you should be playing over someone mm-hmm. that thinks they, they deserve it. And it's like, and I look at, um, that's with anything. I said that, I don't care. I really don't care your education. I don't care your experience. Like to me, if you, for some reason have less experience, but are someone has the right, you know, aptitude to, to, to learn and do stuff. So when I look at, um, I think, I think it's right. I think it's obviously a male dominated, um, industry, which just happens because of history. And mm-hmm. I think over time it starts to progressively get more 50, 50, but yep. I do think there are some roles that are probably more intimidating, but I think that are less like, I even look in the residential space, like yeah. our real estate, like there's a lot of females in residential real estate that do very well. Um, for a while, we actually, when I first got in the business, like our top 10 was like 90% female and they're just like, they all crush. A lot of them are still around and they're very good um, agents. Mm-hmm. But when you switch to the commercial side, they're all guys. Yeah. It's still in this day that I know of, I don't think there's really any females that do it. But when I look at like someone like a Danny King, who I've had on Danny's like, oh, like she's a smart, she's a smart <laughs> chick. And, um, you know, you start looking at a lot of um, these positions of people that come in. It's like they're uh, Sue Matten, like yeah. s- like Sue Sue Matten. That's why I get along so well with Danny and Sue. <laughs> Sue, Sue da- Danny and Sue, like I should say, I love Danny, but I would have to say the OG thug is Sue. Oh yeah, and, and for sure. And uh, God, Sue, I love Sue. She's so great. But she, uh, when you start looking at, because I asked her about that, and she's like. Pfft. She goes, yeah, never really bothered me because she's no. been doing it for years. And, and like, if you look at the confidence of Sue, she's just. And she knows her stuff. Like I would go to like again. I'm not there, but Gary obviously goes to bat with Sue. Mm-hmm. You know, is his is his, his uh, counterpart there. So um, I think it's great. And I think anytime you get more competition yep. for every position, you're going to get better people. And mm-hmm. that that should be everybody. It's like, um, and I've I've always looked at if you're bringing people on or trying to bring talent on, you want to have more people to pick from because you're going to end up getting a better. You have more people to pick from. You're going to get a better result. Yeah. Which, you know, chances are. So, but you know, a lot of it has to do with not being afraid of it. You know, mm-hmm. just like you said, the confidence that Sue's got or the, you know, the, the thug and the thugginess, <laughs> whatever you want to call it that Danny has, you know, you can't be afraid of it because, well, they asked me on the, um, when they interviewed me at, for the press Republican after I got the award, what would I say to my children? And it was, don't be afraid if an opportunity presents because the hardest things that I've done have been the most impactful. It seems like nerve wracking, nerve wracking hardest. Yeah. 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 Like taking on my first branch when I was a brand new mom. Mm -hmm. Um, actually down there, banking is really still uh, male dominated in Mm -hmm. South Carolina. It's a good old boys club a lot of the time. Yeah. And when I was, uh, when I came on as a manager, I was also one of the only female managers. You see a lot more of that up here, female managers. Well, that, and you were young. I was very young. Yeah. I was 27, I yeah, think. That's, that's young. So I was the youngest manager, mm-hmm. and, um, and I was, I think, one of two females on the whole team. So when we would have our meetings, uh, you know, it was a bunch of men in black suits around a conference table. Uh, one woman who was, she was probably close to retirement age and then me. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's... And you were leading it. Oh, <laughs> it was... I, 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 did, I did well down there, yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it's funny that I, I ended up winning that award in my first year with Glens Falls National. It's kind of a weird pattern that I've started to set. And I don't want to... I don't even want to say it because it sets me up for, like, expectation that I should do it again. But so the first year that I took on that management role there... Um, I won the biggest award that that company offered that year. Wow! Um, and that's a that that company is is the entire East Coast. So they only pick I think it's the top one percent of the company that wins that award every year. Wow! So I won that award after my first year of managing that branch, and then when I moved up here, I won the award again my first year here, for that company, and then I moved to Glens Falls National, and won the Trailblazer Award after the first year. So it's kind of like. That first year, there's a lot of pressure on that first don't, don't year. Tell, don't tell Glens Falls. You're not going to want to let you go. You're like, I, oh, jeez. She's going to get another award somewhere. Just keep her here. Oh, no. But. Uh, that, that, so, so obviously, you've, I mean, you've, had a, you've been a pretty high achiever f- for years now. I mean, yeah. for a decade, I would say, or close yeah, to it. Yeah, it's, it's a pathology. <laughs> it's, it's good, though. I, I, like I said, you're doing something right if you're getting, um, you're getting validation from you know, these, yeah. these uh, establishments that are just you kind of saying, hey, like... This girl knows what she's doing. Um, now, diving into a couple of your other things here, um, Rotary. I know you're you're involved in that. You're an yep. ambassador for the chamber, yep. volunteer for JCEO. I'm sure some other stuff that is not even listed on this uh, this color coded thing. I just here, signed but... up to lead a Girl Scout troop for my daughter. Oh, that was on there too. Yes, that's, <laughs> I was like, I know there's something else on here that caught, caught my attention. That's new. So, um, yes, there you are. March of 2022. Yeah, it's brand new. I'm still waiting on my instructions. You updated this quick. This is good. So, yeah. um, so you're, you're you're involved outside of obviously, um, you know, help helping out with loans and everything else. So how do you manage everything? Oh my god, I knew that question was going to come. I don't have an answer to that question. Sink or swim, right? Just keep swimming. Are you? Well, and the reason I say this because every job in the world is hard. I believe. The hardest job in the world is being a mother. Motherhood. It's yes. motherhood. And I, and I will say I'm a father. Fatherhood is not as hard as motherhood. And mm-hmm. I, because I'm just now just knowing the stuff <clears throat> as you would know what, a, what the females have to go through versus what a guy has to go through. <laughs> yeah. um, my wife doesn't give me a lot of sympathy and I think that's warranted and that's totally fine. Um, but so you have the hardest job in the world, in my opinion, and then you have a full-time career and then obviously volunteer work and everything else. Yeah. So are you like scheduled? Like, are you like calendar driven are mm, you yeah. seat of your pants are you very like, yes. note taking <laughs> yes okay. yes to all so it's whatever works for the I, I have a, an outlook calendar for work I have my iPhone family calendar for family stuff I have a handwritten uh, agenda that I keep just so that I can make sure that everything's written down because I'm a writer I need to have things on paper um, and then there's also you know the seat of the pants stuff because my my job is is a lot of the time off the cuff. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody calls me and says, you want to do coffee or you want to have a meeting or can we do a call at three, you know, it's changing every day. So um, flexibility there, there's your answer. Are, are you good at setting um, parameters or boundaries on times? How do you mean? Like, like if somebody called you at three and said, I need to call you at three, but you mm-hmm. have some stuff to get done. Do you, do you like triage what's more important? Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I'm, I've, I've found that one of the hardest things to do is as my life has gotten more chaotic with, you know, kids and more responsibilities with mm-hmm. work and stuff that, um, having to cut stuff or say no, or, or even just like push some stuff out because a mm-hmm. lot of it, 
like what, what I find is I need time to, there's in business and on business, meaning like in business, meaning calls, text, clients, everything like you're just in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also in a role of like on business where I have to do stuff to grow the company. So I need time that's really just like quiet time alone. Mm-hmm. So I find that even if my calendar is blank for a couple hours, like I'm still on, meaning that's like, well, I'm just not with people, but I'm actually more deep in thought and like, you know, more, more worn down after a couple hours of that deep thought versus, you know, calling people around. So like I've gotten to the point where I have to triage the conversation a little bit. Like if someone says I need something at three, but I know from two to four, I have to work on this project Yeah, and I like, I have to start working on it. Otherwise we're never going to progress as a company that I might have to say, listen, can I call you later tonight? Because yeah, so I, 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 I'm starting to put boundaries in, um, that really just protect my time, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to get more discipline at that, which in theory is going to open me up in the future to, you know, good opportunities if I'm more diligent with my time. Yeah. I mean, I think setting boundaries is probably the most important thing. And mm-hmm. I learned that really through my management career. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you're, when you're managing other people and you're in charge of an entire, you know, establishment, it can be all consuming. So you really need to be able to set, set boundaries in, you know, if, if, if you've got a sick kid or if you're sick Mm -hmm. or if you've got important things to do and you need to have closed door time, it's very easy to insult other people or offend other people. When you're trying to set those boundaries, people don't like that. They want you to be available to them 24 seven and you want to do it. It goes against your natural instinct mm-hmm. or for me anyway, Yeah, same. but you have to do it to be successful. And it's really, I mean, it's just like parenting where you say, you know, I'm doing this for your own good. It's the same, same sort of idea. You have to be able to do that and set your own boundaries. Otherwise you're just going to drown and you're not going to get anywhere. Well, it's like a, an open door policy. Like my idea of an open door policy is like open door means you can talk to me whenever, but yes. just give me a heads up and when you want to do it and not physically like walk through my door and exactly. interrupt me. Because I think a lot of it is a respect factor of people mm-hmm. where like I'll even call people and be like, if I know it's a conversation where I need some time, like I had someone I had to call me like, Hey, can I call you tomorrow? What's the best time to call you? Cause I just want to actually set a, like a time slot up yeah. cause I don't want to catch you off guard and get, you know, yeah. and then. So a lot of times, depending on the conversation, I'll, I'll do that more with uh, business to business, you know, a client, you just kind of, you, it, it's hard to tell, like sometimes I'll even say, when are you free? But you know, if I have to call for business, I might just send an email and just be like, Hey, when are you free to talk? Cause I just want to make sure I'm not intruding on, you know, your time because it yeah. always, as naturally, like it's, it's easier to let the time, like your personal time, it's easy to let that time go because you check with yourself. It's like, okay, Caitlin, let that time go. Someone needs me. Now it's gone. Where if you were with somebody else, you would not move it because like, listen, I'm already meeting with Tom. I can't, you know, and I I find that it's hard because it's really, like you said, it's going against the grain. It's going against like our natural tendency to want to be all there. But like, there's times where I'm like, nope, you have to be like, you have to keep the appointment with Galen. Like you have to keep your own appointment with yourself (laughs) because Otherwise, nothing's going to get done, and I know when it's going to get done. It's evenings, weekends, something when I, I want to be with my family. So it's, Yeah, or you're going to rush it, and then you're going to feel like it was half-assed. Yep, yep. exactly. And I, that's that's one of my – when you, I, well, when you walked in, I was like, let me just send this email out because mm-hmm. if I know I don't send it, I may not send it, and then it's going to be a problem. And then also, it just all the other stuff that could be a cause of just not <laughs> getting that done. So I'm like, let me just take – 
two minutes to send this and I'm done. I'm the same way. And that's why I'll send, I'll send an email sometimes at, you know, nine o'clock at night or six 30 in the morning. And I don't expect you to respond to me right now, but I had to send it at that time. Otherwise I would have forgotten about it. You know what I actually do is, um, so I got this, do you use Gmail at all? Your Outlook? Outlook. I don't, I don't know if it works for Outlook, but I have an, um, an extension that, Mm -hmm. um, um, that I got wind of that basically allows a couple different things i can set reoccurring messages i can block my inbox which is a huge thing where i literally just nothing can come through my inbox hmm. and what happens is then all of a sudden it opens up because you know what it is if you oh, have, no, that sounds really if, stressful it, but it no like i'll block it off <laughs> like i'll block it off at night until the following like mid-morning mm-hmm. because then i have nothing coming in the morning so it doesn't distract me because most uh. of the stuff i don't why would i need to see an email at seven in the morning yeah you know for the most like 99.9 percent of the time it's never going to matter um, but the whole idea is that when it does come up and all of a sudden 50 emails come through, I can get through those 50 emails within five to 10 minutes tops because a lot of them, it's just like, look, delete, store, whatever forward. Yeah. And what happens though, is it allows me to take only five to 10 minutes on emails versus me constantly getting distracted because an email comes every time in. it comes in. So I've gotten to the point where I'm one of those people, if I don't have my cell phone or it's off or it's out of service or something, I won't check it because I yep. know I can't. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I know so it's I like there. Camping. Yeah, exactly. Camping. And there's times I'll just, if we go out to dinner, I'll leave my phone in my car. Mm-hmm. Like, and the whole purpose is if I don't have it, I have zero desire to check my phone. Yep. But if I have it naturally, it's just like a nervous tick for people now. It's like, you just check your phone. Cause I'm like, I got nothing else to do. Let me check my phone. Like I'm in a waiting room. Let me check my phone. I'm walking between a meeting. Let me it's check my awful, phone. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's, but it's just the way we are. So like we have to like almost have to like reteach myself not to check it. But um, so the email thing, that has been a huge thing for me because it allows me only to really check my email a few times a day. Mm-hmm. I don't miss anything. It's like if I get an answer back in 30 minutes or two and a half hours, most of email is not very time sensitive. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is I, you can schedule send and I schedule send. So I'll do a lot of emails sometimes at night yeah. and I'll schedule send the next morning. Right. So everybody gets it and they batch it because I don't want people answering me back and I don't want to make people feel like it. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is I can it's called boomerang. I can boomerang my stuff back. So if you send me an email and I'm like, I can't get to this right now, I might boomerang it back for an hour, two hours for tomorrow, for tonight, whatever. So it just gets out of my inbox and then I'll come back in when I know I won't have a ton of emails or I know I'll be able to focus on it. So it's kind of like a cool little, I try to get efficiency hacks because it's time. Like you're always fighting time and you're fighting like attention. And, um, so that's something to look at. I don't know what outlook would be, but it's a really cool. Speaking of which tech hack. (laughs) It's fine though, but like phones ringing. <laughs> yeah, like so yeah, like iPhone. I put over there because this this gives me like a no, oh no, you're fine. I, no, you can do whatever good. you want. But I don't uh, need it. it. It's just it's just like a nice like mental break where I'm like I just mm-hmm. sit here and talk. I don't have to check my email or my phone or my text. So, um, no, that's why I love going camping. You just t- turn it off. I don't look at it the whole time. It's gone. It's in my car most of the time. I don't service anyway. Yeah. Just unplug. Do you guys? Is that how you get away? Mm, like, during the summer. Well, how how often do you camp? Um. Not as much as I'd like to, to be honest with you, but you know, that's because our summers are two months long. Yeah. And they all get, weekends get filled quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the kids. Um, we just bought a camper. So this year we're, we're transitioning from tent campers to, to bougie campers. So you're like in it. We're in it. You're hooking up a septic. Oh yeah. I don't know. We, We haven't gotten it yet. We're picking it up from Georgia. Okay. Which is a great plan in theory until the gas prices go up. <laughs> now, now we're like, oh, if we have to drive all the way to Georgia and haul this thing back. We can just go camp in the backyard. Be like, hey, yeah. we we'll just put a movie on, look at the lights. Yeah. Um, have you, have you been to RV parks then? 
Um, I mean, we've always just done tent camping, so. And we're, like tent camping, like locally, or do you travel? You go like we go Vermont to like the no the New York State parks. So okay. we like go to Fish Creek or Rollins Pond or you know. And the kids like it. Oh, they love it. Yeah, so fun. I, I think uh, I think when you can just escape and get to play with like kids and just do stuff because one, it's like your inner kid comes out. It, that's the only way to do it too, because yeah. just like you said, the distractions. It's the only way that I've found that I can completely disengage from all of the junk and all of the garbage. And like last year when we went camping, have you ever heard of Wim Hof? Yeah. So, okay. Iceman. The, the, the cold, yeah. Yeah. Iceman Wim Hof. So his whole theory, right, is cold water is good for your health. And the so breathing on. and all that. Breathing. Yeah. yeah. He has some weird breathing exercises. So, um, <laughs> so we went camping and for some reason, every time we went camping last summer, it was raining and it was cold. But the kids still want to go swimming. So we would jump up first thing in the morning and run with the kids just like we were kids and just plunge into the lake, you know, in freezing cold water in the rain. Wakes you right up. Wakes you right up. And we would yell, Wim Hof! (laughs) (laughs) And the kids would go, I don't want to Wim Hof! (laughs) It's like, was it uh, Wang Chung? What's that like, that song? What is it? Isn't it a dance? No, there's a song that you. Th- I know of? what you're thinking of. Um, <laughs> <Don't come on. laughs> I know what you're thinking of. So, yeah, it's like a, it's an old like I don't know 80s or 90s like thing. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so yeah, like the cold plunge, cold bath, things like that. Yeah. So that's just the only time you do it. You're not no, like a religious cold shower. No, person. God, I've tried it a few times, and it's miserable. But it is. But it really does wake you up. I, well, every time I hear someone say like why they do it, it's like. Yeah, just get in, cold shower, makes you feel good. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, there's so much more things I think in life that are going to benefit me than jumping in a shower. And you <laughs> yeah. know what? I like that warm shower in the morning. It's just <laughs> yeah, warm like, shower's it's just, nice. <laughs> it's just like comforting. And, and again, it's quiet. I get yeah. to just sit by myself and yeah. think for a few minutes. I'm like, this is just this relaxing. No, right this now. is more or less just a camping thing for us. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> so now that kids don't, we don't even have to tell them what it is. We just said, you want to Wim Hof? And they, <laughs> no. Shirt comes off, we go run again. <laughs> uh, so have you, um, if you do get an RV, a good place to go, and I'm not an RV person. My wife was growing up, but um, we went down a few years ago to the Lake George RV park. So we're going to one down there. Uh, it's called it, Moose Hillock. Okay. Is I don't that know what this was. It's... It's off the main drag. Like if you go, it's past the Great Escape. So you go north, you go north of the Great Escape. So you have like Martha's Great Escape, and you go up and you hang like a right somewhere. Okay. I think it's just called the Lake George RV Park, but Maybe. it's it's massive, and they have a lot of cool things. They have like a whole little like mini water park thing, and they have uh, there's like a there's, I remember there being a stage. They had some performances going on, but we ended up just renting like one of the I think a, is it park models? Is that what they call it? Where it's kind of like stationary. Oh. Yeah, Sounds okay. like a trailer kind yeah. of thing. I mean, it's not like on wheels or anything. It's stationary, but um, it was fun. And we only had one kid at the time, but it was like it was yeah. just cool to go out and not like it was just very simplistic, but it was relaxing. Mm-hmm. Just like, sit there, have a drink, kind of hang out. Yeah, my, my nieces and nephews were riding bikes around. I mean, my that's kids the would best be, part. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like just, just so relaxing. Stuff. Like, there's no cars. Like, just go around. Go you have kids. no schedule for the day. There's nowhere you need to be. You're not at home, so you don't need to clean. You mm-hmm. don't need to worry about grocery shopping and all of that nonsense. Everything you've prepared for already. Yeah, paper so. plates go in a bag. It's like this is yep. great. Like, let's mm-hmm. go. I, I, yeah, I think. Uh, Especially the summers. That's one of the things I love up here is just the, like the summertime and the nights and the warm nights. Um, obviously, I'm guessing uh, Charleston was like that. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful down yeah. there. And um, I mean, it was a little too hot in the summertime, though. 
Like muggy. Oh my God. You couldn't even go outside. 7 a.m. I'd go out with a stroller ready to go walk in or something. And yeah. I'd turn right back around and go inside. It's so hot. I, 95 degrees already at seven. I don't know physically if I could do, I, I'm a very, I sweat all the time. <laughs> like for me to go down, it's just not comfortable. Like yeah. I, to sit in the sun's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like we'll go down, um, we go, we go down to Florida. It's once. the Irish in you. Oh my God. Yes. It's <laughs> Irish and not being far from the equator growing up. So it's just like, um, at one, I burn easily, but once I, once I burn then I tan good. So it's like, I need that burn. I need that singe. And then I, that base, that base, base burn, base burn. I need the base burn. Um, uh, but at, really at the end of the day, it's, it's, I just don't like muggy, hot weather. Yeah. Um, give me outside with like a nice breeze. I love it. Like mm-hmm. I like that warm breeze, but I, I like a breeze. And yeah, I don't... me too. So. Yeah. When, when I would come back here and visit, I'd be like, oh, I can breathe up here, you yeah. know, down there. It's nice. And you can go to the beach and everything like that. But the he- the air is so heavy. There's something, there's something weird about like in a, in a good way. We take it, um, we take advantage of it. But I think as I've gotten older too, you start <clears> to realize like a lot of stuff around here that as a kid, you just. Again, you're like, whatever. But now you're like, actually, I'm looking at other places around the country. Like, this is a cool place. It's like, not that bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not, I, I, again, I love it. I love the area. And like I said, the, the view, like this this view out here is just, it's, it's always incredible. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got a great spot here. I used to come biking down here all the time when I was in college. Did you see the train the other day? With the truck? Yeah. I saw it in the news. So I did not, I, I worked that day. I did not come to the office that day. And I'm getting people texting me. Of course, the girls were texting me and showing me pictures. And um, Chris Rosenquist was posting all over Insta- Facebook or Instagram. I saw it there. And then I saw a bunch of, uh, uh, like, people were texting me, like, oh, my God, like, is everything okay? The train? And I'm like, well, I'm not there. But somehow a, tra- a truck got on the track. I don't he, he was backing up and got his tr- got his tire stuck on the track or something. So he was down. Because the train collided with it, like, right here. Yeah. And he just kind of pushed him down. I don't know how he, I don't know how he ended up there. <laughs> yeah, that apparently he was well, backing up and his tire got caught on the train. Which actually makes track. sense because it's very narrow through here. So yeah. the actual, like if you're trying to do like a three-point turn, you pretty much have to do it down there or here or you just back your way out because there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a good radius of turning here. So um, I could see that, especially if he's in a truck and it's a little bit longer of a vehicle, that that could happen. There's nobody you knew, right? I don't know whose truck it was, oh. no. I, I didn't recognize the truck, but... I'm, I tagged my husband in it. So this isn't you, is it? Do you have the same truck? <laughs> no, he's oh, just oh. awful at backing up his truck. Um, I, I mean, I just don't understand though. If you go over the truck and you hit, like you would think as you're backing up and you hit something, like what is that? Yeah, you wouldn't keep going. But you kept. I I wouldn't. I don't. But, know, I'm not quite sure. But, I understood it either. But it's like you go over it, and then I'm like, well, if you got over it, and now you're going forward, you think that you forward, you would be able just to go right, and especially in a truck, you think you. Yeah, be if you got four wheel drive. I don't understand. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe the guy got like shocked that he was on the rail and just like ran and said, "I don't know what to do." I'm like, <laughs> put it forward. And, I I don't know. It's a once it, in a lifetime kind of thing. I, well, one, I'm like, I'm glad the guy wasn't hurt, but two, I'm a little pissed that I wasn't here because I'm like, that would have been. That'd I probably been would have been sitting here, and I probably would have heard the crash and been like, seeing mm-hmm. the truck get pushed down. It would have been an experience, but I. Again, I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's happy. <laughs> I missed it. That's the most action this building's gotten in a while. That's um, one thing I do miss about working in the branches. Because now, you know, I'm in between appointments and working from home. And sometimes I'm in the office and I'm all over the place all the time. But I, I do miss the action of seeing stuff that goes on when you're in one place all the time. Especially in Charleston. Boy, some stuff went down down there. It's true, isn't it? Like when you... Because I, I mean, I used to work at the ice cream stand. Like oh, back yeah. Oh, so yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot of weird that. things that I saw there yeah. that I'm like, because you're sitting there for hours, for years I worked there. What's the craziest like, thing you ever saw there? 
so one <laughs> one of the ones that was like I've I've seen accidents. You'd see stuff like that. You've seen like like car accidents, and you'd see like weird stuff like that. But there was always it was always strange when you saw people that didn't act normal. Like I, like, I mean, just how like, do you say this politically correct? <laughs> They looked weird. I don't know. I, like Odd individuals. Do, so years ago, I don't... Do you remember the guy that like walked around town shadow boxing? No. So it was this guy. He would walk around. Sometimes I think he actually had like... Like not um, boxing gloves on, but he would wrap his hands like he was like... Like you know, underneath he put like a base wrap on under... Like boxers. They don't just put their hands in the glove. They have like wraps. Yeah. He would walk around with like his hands wrapped, but like no gloves. <clears throat> but he'd be like arms up and he'd be just jabbing and like shadow boxing. No, I don't Which, remember that. I know people shadow box for exercise because it is a, like a cardiovascular like, response for it. But shadow boxing technically, I mean, you think about how big a ring is for, for boxing. It's not that big <laughs> in the sense that it's probably, you know, a little bit bigger than this room. But you could shadow box in a very tight space totally fine. So this guy would go around town. I don't know who he was go around town like shadow boxing so they're like and of course it's always weird when you're the only person sitting in this place and it's just this little building and you have these people that are like he's out there just shadow boxing like walking through the driveway going onto the road coming back <laughs> never and like, came and ordered anything oh no but i'm sitting i'm like please don't let this guy come up because there's something wrong with this guy like, <laughs> like but it was just like weird i'm like this guy he's just like walking down the side of the road like shadow boxing I'm like, oh yeah i'm like i'm like there's just it it's just it, there's nothing illegal about it. It's just a little odd. It's a little no quirky. Way. So, but there's that the accidents. I saw accidents there. Of course, you would see like just weird things with customers and client or clients, like customers coming up. Um, the type of people that came up. One time, these two chicks came up in a Red Bull car, and back when they're doing like promotional stuff for Red Bull, yeah, and they had like it was like a Mini Coupe or something, and I think it had like, you know, when you look at uh a ladder that goes up on a fire truck and they have it kind of like can obviously go up. It was mm-hmm. like that, but it was, it was like a Red Bull can on the back. So it was like almost like a clown car thing. <laughs> so these two girls get up and they come walking up and they order ice cream or whatever. And I'm looking at, I'm like, do you guys work for Red Bull? Because this was like right when Red Bull was kind of getting it started. And they're like, yeah. So they go into the car and they bring out a case. I don't know, like 24 cans or whatever. And they give me the stuff of a, Red Bull. A whole case? Like, 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 yeah, like cardboard box with probably 24 cans in this this case. So I must have been there doing some promotional thing somewhere. But I'm like, yeah. why are you in Chez-Z with Red Or did you go to, like, I don't know, maybe Montreal or Burlington? Oh, maybe. Like, I don't know where this was coming from. Um, no, they were targeting Chez-Z. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, give you wings. But we, I ended up getting this. And I remember, I'm not a big Red Bull guy. So, like, I took a drink of it. And I was like, I don't like energy drinks. So mm-hmm. I was like, I remember sipping. I'm like, I don't like this. So. I ended up having this case. I just gave it away to a bunch of buddies. But that was kind of an odd thing too, which I've never seen a car like that ever again, but hmm. that happened. And there was, I just, same thing. When you're dealing in a summer, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Lots I, of people under the influence coming to get their ice cream, I would imagine. Yep. We've had drunk people. Um, <laughs> they're usually harmless. They're a lot of fun. No, that's, that's, a, that's usually, entertaining. Yeah. So I'm sure in the banking world, you get that too. But oh, yeah. You get like people that come in and they're like on and they're like sticking their head in and you can just smell mm-hmm. just like, usually the biggest culprits, like kids weren't a big deal because they're just goofy. So when you get like the old guys that come in and just smell of like, like whiskey or, oh. or bourbon or something, it's just like, it just reeks off of them and you know, they've been I'm like, you drove here? Like, you probably... 
Like, you you probably call you right? shouldn't have driven here. I mean, I'll give you an ice cream, but you want to sit over there? Here's some water. Like, you better sober up. So it, that that's a little interesting. But, uh, yeah, but it is. Yeah, it, we it, had all kinds of folks at the bank down in Charleston, too. Crazy people coming in. All like, kinds of, like, I actually, I was robbed once. The bank? The bank. Well, and the the bank that I was in. Like, like while you were working? Yeah. The guy came in like gunpoint or knife or something? Yeah. So it was actually, it was the same week I had found out I was expecting my son. I had just found out I was pregnant. It was the week of Christmas because that's when all the bank robberies happen is around Christmas because people get desperate. And it was a Saturday. It was, I was in my office and I had two tellers up at the station and. So just how many people in the building at the time? Only three of us. Well, four because I had a customer. Okay. And uh, two big guys with um, masks on came barreling in, screaming, get the F on the floor, get the F on the floor. They, one comes into my office, grabs me and the customer, drags us out into the lobby and puts us face down on the floor. Wow. The other guy jumps the teller line, puts both of the girls back there on the floor and starts ransacking the teller drawers while the other guy keeps a, a watch on the, on, the, on the door. Do they have guns? So you want to assume, you always assume that they do, yeah. right? They, ha- they had them like under their shirt kind of thing, you know? So it looked like they had guns, but it's, you, we weren't sure if they did or not, but yeah. they said that they did. So it was implied anyway that they were armed. But um, yeah, so we had to lay face down and the one guy, he's standing by the door and he's going, come on, come on, come on. And the, the other uh, guys ransacking the teller drawers. And then finally, after what seemed like forever, they finally left. But after they left, because I was the manager, I had to take t- charge of the situation and take care of the girls and the place and secure it and everything. It was nuts. <laughs> so what happens? I mean, one, that that's wild. It but, was crazy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you must have been scared shitless. Like. I was scared shitless. The custom, poor customer was there, scared shitless. I had, so basically, I had to tell them. I had to make sure the coast was clear before. I, t- I yelled from the floor. My face was down. I said, don't anybody move. I'll tell you when you can get up. And when I was cer- certain they were gone, I went and locked both of the doors and then told everybody else to get up and called the police and went through the motions. And, you know, everybody had to give their account. And we were there all day long. And the bank was shut down. Oh, day. yeah. Yeah. We had caution tape around the bank and everything. It was uh, crazy. What a... Wow. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... So that, cause I'm always like thinking like, uh, the town that you don't, they go like the, have you ever seen that movie that, um, with uh, Ben Affleck? No. That's a really good movie. The it, town? The town. No. It's about, um, it's a couple, I don't know if they're brothers or friends, but, uh, Ben Affleck's in it. Jeremy Renner's in it. And it, it's, it's probably like 10, 12 years old now. Um, it's about the town, Charleston, um, Charlestown just out in Boston. Oh, okay. Um, so when you ever go over that big bridge in Boston, right to the left is Charlestown. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, townies that lived there forever, but they ended up just robbing places around um, around town. So it was like Bank Heist movie. It's a really good movie. Like, I may, maybe it's a little too PTSD. close to home now. Yeah, maybe it's a little too close to home. But <laughs> no, I'm, it, I'm far enough removed from it now. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's been it's five a good, years. It's a good movie. I, it's, a, it's one of the movies, if it comes on, I'll watch it on TV. But um, so, so at that point, when you, like, did the, when did the guys get caught? <clears throat> or do you ever know? No, they didn't. Really? And Isn't then, that crazy? Because there's, I mean, there's we had footage of it. Footage I still, of I still have photos of it somewhere of me laying on the on the floor in the lobby. I was gonna say everything's on camera. Yeah, yeah, but they were wearing masks and all of that, and they couldn't check the, whatever their car was when they left or anything. No, they didn't. They parked around the corner. 
Yeah. So they're usually they're smart bank robbers. I guess usually they are caught, but for some reason these ones were not. That's crazy. How much money did they take? Do you know? Not a lot. Not enough to make it worth the risk. Yeah. A couple thousand. Yeah. I was gonna say if you're just if banks you're just rent- don't carry all kinds of money. That's what folks don't understand. They think the people who are stupid enough to rob a bank are stupid enough to think that we have millions of dollars in there. You yeah. know those branches that these folks work in. They're 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 not working with a lot of money. Money's conceptual now, yeah. you know? Well, and that, that's the thing. It's like, there's no, you're not going in the vault opening up just loads of, of gold no, bars gold and gold bars stacks. and yeah. nuggets and... <laughs> it's like a lot of this stuff is all done through wires. And it's it, all conceptual. It's yeah. all an idea of money, you know? Yeah. And that's, People don't uh, deal in cash like they used to. Well, now once you start getting to... Like, what do you think about like crypto and all that stuff and NFTs and all the things? I think it's stuff. really cool. I think it's... I think it's... Well, I don't quite I, understand a lot of it. Okay. <laughs> we're on the, we're, I am... The limited knowledge I have of it. So this is the thing with most stuff that's that's evolving. Just everything evolves ever, always. Mm-hmm. Like you always have to change. So I look at this stuff, and one, my understanding of it is, I kind of am kicking myself because I'm like, I you really got to learn this stuff mm-hmm. for just like investment purposes and things like that. But then part of me is like, I'm not gonna fight it because everybody's gonna say it's dumb. Well, guess what? People thought cell phones were dumb. People thought social media was dumb. Mm-hmm. People thought like, you know, electric vehicles are dumb. People thought all this stuff. Yeah, um, or still do. But I said, you got to look at this thing as this is where the times are going. You might as well just join in and get ahead of the curve and beat all the people that are too stuck in their ways. So NFTs, when you start looking at um, the way they're being used and you start looking at banking institutions that are now, I think the New York Stock Exchange, I don't know if they're on the New York Stock Exchange or they, they did, New York Stock Exchange did something to validate crypto. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Ray Dalio fan. I don't know if you know who Ray Dalio is, but he's um, uh, Bridge uh, Bridgewater Associates. He's the largest head fund guy in the world. Gotcha. They're now starting to accept uh, or do something with cryptocurrency. So mm-hmm. you see, it, like, it's coming. It's coming more and more. You see, you see more more folks more folks starting to accept it as as legitimate currency. Ha- has anybody commercial wise have done anything with like Bitcoin or anything? No, it hasn't come that that far yet. Are you guys able to do that, or no. is that? Mm-mm. So it's still not like fully. No, yeah, the banks aren't even getting involved in any of that yet. I think it would take a long time. You do okay. I, like I again, I don't know the industry. I I would think that we're gonna start seeing this be very very prevalent in the next like two years to the point where like a lot of um, like real estate right now they're selling. Um, I believe the first NFT home sold down in Tampa for like almost seven hundred thousand. Now NFT, it's like an image. Yeah. But someone bought it, and we're also seeing that there's um, people are buying real estate di- like digital real estate in yeah. virtual worlds like the metaverse and stuff because you gotta think about i have it. a really hard time wrapping my head around the metaverse i i think it's so what i can attribute it to which which the, the hard thing to think about is when we talk about like real estate well, they're not making more of it i'm like well they kind of are it's just not physical yeah and when and that was a when i first heard about that that someone bought land in the like actually physically bought land right and and in my head, I'm like, that's crazy. But then I instantly went to why, and then how do I make sense of it? I'm like, well, real estate's a commodity. It's supply and demand. Mm-hmm. There's no actual, the only reason it has a certain value is because of the demand Their for demand. it. Yep. So when I look at, and the same thing with the US dollar. I mean, it's all based on you know, demand, supply and demand. So when you look at it, I'm like, there's enough people that wanted to buy that land. This person bought it for almost a million dollars in virtual land. Mm-hmm. So I said, there's like I don't think I would ever buy it because I don't find the because value you in don't it. live in a simulation like Cor- other folks correct. are wanting to do correct or that, already do. But think about like when you play games like to attribute it to like I never really played the game but 
Uh, remember The Sims? Mm-hmm. Sims is all virtual world. That was the very first. Yeah, and when and now you're basically saying it. it's Sims, but a higher, more extreme 2022 and, and beyond level. But if you look at it back then, if they're like, "Listen, you're in the Sim land," but do you, I, I don't know if this is true or not. The but Sim land. Do, yeah, what I'm, I'm, I I never played The Sims. I'm aware of what it is. <laughs> I never played it. But the the idea of like. Hey, if you want this cool house or cool car, or you want to have access to you know this property, and it's going to cost you a twenty dollar upgrade in your game to get mm-hmm. it. People, Same idea. People paid that, but yeah. now again, it's expanding to hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. In so, real life, in real, in sort of. But I mean, it's very, it's very simple. Like to me, it's the same as The Sims. I mean, I don't yeah. think there's. A, it's just. People are because it's not something that exists. It's in a virtual space, which Sims was virtual. How do you know that we're not in a simulation right now? Well, I've had this conversation with multiple people <laughs> about, you know, you know, when you start looking at, uh, have you ever seen this um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? No, I'm not, no. Okay. And, and the only reason I'm saying this, so two things, I'll give you two movies, because again, I don't watch a ton of movies, but that one I watched with my son, and I like Spider-Man. So it was Spider-Man, it was a cartoon, and it was really well done, but basically what happened was that all these Spider-People came into this one universe but there was multiple um, metaverses I guess I don't know there was multiple spaces from different years and different like and they all end up kind of combining at this one point into like our reality so they kind of obviously that that storyline expanded to a bunch of different mini storylines but the whole idea was like there was a time travel so I think was it um, Einstein law or Stephen Hawkins law of uh, Quantum, quantum theory or whatever when like the idea that time travels differently in certain areas mm-hmm. so because again I was listening and Neil deGrasse Tyson I was listening to a podcast with him he said that if you get on something that's fast enough and you travel away from earth at a certain amount of speed for six months mm-hmm. stop turn around and come straight back in six months and you landed back on earth you aged a year the earth could have aged 10,000 years because the way that everything, because things age differently in space. In space and time. Space and time. So that's really where the idea comes from. And then I watched a movie recently called The Atom Project, which was on Netflix. It's a brand new movie. Ryan Reynolds is in it. And uh, he, I'm not, I'm not going to give it away. So if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, I don't care. It's just, basically, he meets <laughs> his like cohort in the movie is his younger self. So oh. it's like a time travel thing. Yeah. And obviously there's some cute dynamics to that, but it's also kind of the, the theory of like the time travel and all that crap. So I, are we in a simulation? <laughs> Part of me, it's kind of like a, the Truman Show. Like, I don't know if it is legitimately that, but I also think the idea of like a sixth sense and things happening for a reason and all that. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm not a very, um, I don't want to say like religious person that I follow religion, but I do believe that there's some type of, uh, larger external force that some sort has, of organization to it not like not the illuminati but i think it's like i think it's like <laughs> i think there's like some type of i really do think that there's some kind of weird universal pole power whatever that does dictate a lot of stuff because i <clears> look <throat> in my head so many it, so there's so many coincidences that it, sometimes when it's when things happen it's it's so coincidental and so mind blowing that it's hard to think that it was just a coincidence Correct. that it was meant to do happen that way. But even if you go back to like the Big Bang theory and that something just happened and then all this stuff just came from it mm-hmm. and then over time things like the Earth happened, 
but the earth has a perfect gravitational pull and a certain you know distance from the sun and a certain you know atmospheric pressure and a certain amount of gases on the earth that allow it to that allow us to, to be here and then you think of over time that everything started in water as a like single cell organism that grew into a human being and beyond whatever else comes and now we're making metaverse like when you think about this whole thing <laughs> like seems kind of crazy <laughs> now obviously like i know it possibly could be true because of it you're talking billions and billions and billions of years which again i've lived for 30 something years and that to me seems like oh that seems like a long time but when you put it in perspective like of how much things can change over time because mm-hmm. you see in our own lifetime like how many things are different from when we were a kid oh i know it. um and, and this could be landmarks this could be buildings this could be people this could be a whole host of things so i'm like it does totally make sense like i found out the other day Lamont and valcor when they actually started started where morocco is now what? Because it was it, it was underground, obviously. So it, like huh. over time, it rose up. It's like a mountain. It just yeah. rose up. But those two, if you go, I guess, down or whatever and check out the lower soil, that Islamat, Valcor, just anything really along this, the Lake Champlain um, was originally from the uh, Morocco area, which is northern Africa. Yeah. Where did you hear that? Wikipedia. Of course. So I'm not that smart. I just take it I, with I, a grain of salt. I know. I know. Someone put it no, on I'm there. I'm sure it's true. Someone put it on there. I, I gotta I'm gonna put a Wikipedia page about myself and make it way more cooler and see yeah. if people are like, wait, you really did that? I'm like, what did it say on Wikipedia? Like, you go skydiving every Friday? Yeah, every Friday. <laughs> Went to the moon once. Um, but if but if when you yeah, you go through all that stuff like I know there's a lot of science to it and I I do believe a, like all that stuff, but then I also there's a certain level where I'm like, I just, like if scientists have a trouble, you know, wrapping their heads around, not to say that's not going to happen because scientists evolve too, but mm-hmm. it's like, man, it just, things, I don't know if things are a simulation, <laughs> but I do think that things, I, 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 well, if we have the capability to create a metaverse, mm-hmm. if we had the capability to go from these little organisms, little tadpoles swimming around in the sea to creating the metaverse, What's to say that that hasn't happened before? I, well, and the other thing too is if you look at, this is where it's, there's a lot of trippy things that hurt your brain size-wise. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at... You I, didn't think we'd be questioning the, the purpose of life today, did you? No, but I love, I, this, is my, <laughs> this is my jam. I love this stuff. But like, if, if you like, I forgot where I saw this. <clears throat> and again, maybe this was, I, I feel like this was like a Joe Rogan post or something, but... There's a picture of a satellite or um, a picture of a satellite that took a spot in the in the sky that didn't look much. And, and what happens is as you naturally because we would rotate every 365 days, um, if you look at it that by basically by fixating a point and letting it go around, when is that going to come back to that same point it would be 365 years. This, right. this was hundreds of years ago they figured this out. But – when you do it and you get camera angles basically of all this, you start to see what that point actually is. So what happened was it was a little blip where we, we looked up. We're like, yeah, there's like a couple stars right there. But then they zip zooming in and they said basically that little spot that looked like a little just black spot up in the sky encased these had this many galaxies. Mm-hmm. And when you start to look at that, when people start like ETs and stuff, there's a hundred percent like 
There has to be. You can't be so self-involved to think that we are the only organizes, organization. No, I think, and I would, it's almost freaky to think like how big some places are when you start looking at Scott, like obviously not in sun, but planets. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's planets that if you were to put it up against us, like in size that are out there, you would not see, you would not see anything but that planet because it's right. so massive. Like that's, and that's the freaky part of, you know, is there some weird thing on another part of the planet that's not water, but it's this like red lava, whatever that's access? You know, because we don't even know what it would be on another planet. Would you go to space if you had the opportunity? Um, how far are you talking? Like to the moon? Yeah. My my selfishness would say yes. My brain of like I have kids and a wife. No. Yeah. So like my responsible side. It's hard, it's says hard no. now that you have kids. If you were like, listen. You have nobody, like, if you left this earth, nobody would really care. Yeah, probably. Yeah, oh, for sure. But I'm like, eh, I'm like, eh. Like, my wife doesn't want me to, like, I don't want to go skydiving. I wanted to go up oh, in Oh, I do. I, I, I would not, but I wanted to go up in a, in a, like, a little private plane. Yeah. And she was like, no way. She, like, didn't trust. And I'm like, I think it'd be so cool. Like, I want to go in a helicopter and things like that. But I, partly is maybe when I'm older, but I also think if the risk factor is very high, like bungee jumping and skydiving, I won't get enough out of it to. But they I know the risk safe. factor. I know it's, it's like flying in a plane. I know it's safe. Well, you take your life into your hands more in, when you're in the car on the highway, exactly. right? So Isn't that what they say? Yeah. So it's a totally it's not non psychological risk. Correct. It's a psychological <laughs> risk. But in my head, I'm, I always weigh the idea of, am I really gonna like it? And I might. I might do it and be like, holy crap! I'm so glad I went and did it. So you're not a thrill seeker. No, not really. I've no. never been. I've never, like, I've never, like, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. No. Like, I do, like, I like, trust me, I like going skiing. So, like, me going down, like, on, on a mountain, like, I get, like, a, I get, like, a rush. I'm like, that was really fun. Oh, it's so much fun. But I don't think going and skydiving, and I know it would be a rush. I know it would be cool. Everybody does it. Says, this is awesome. I'm just, like, <laughs> one of, like, I, I, I believe you. I just don't really have a, like, I don't really want to go do it. Like, yeah. It's not something that I look at. I'm like, that looks fun. Uh, <laughs> and it's not even, like, the... It, I think it's just more of like, do I really want to just go do that? I'm like, if I had an afternoon to go do something, I don't mm. know if that would be it. I'd be like, honestly, I'd rather like go skiing or go golf, like something that I like enjoy to That's do. That's kind of how I feel about like scary movies. I, People ask me why, why don't I don't like scary movies. Why would I want to be scared? I want something that I can laugh at or be entertained by. It's not entertaining to me. <laughs> so that and also scary movies for me. I just don't find them that good. Mm-hmm. So like part of it is like, could it be scary or freaky? I'm like, yes. One, I don't really want to elicit like that. Cause it doesn't, it's not like enjoyable. <clears throat> like that's, not that's what I'm saying. It's not like entertain. I don't enjoy that. Like, let me watch wedding crashers for the thousandth time. Yes. Like that. I still laugh at it, <laughs> yeah. you know, but if I, if I watch something like that, the other things too, is it's like, I'm not a sci-fi guy. So like my mind is very like realistic. So if I'm watching that and I'm like, okay, like this monster guy comes out of the cornfield with a, like a, an ax. I'm like, I get it, like whatever, but like the little clown on a bike, I'm like, okay, yeah. but like, but in my head, I'm like, this is like made up, so I don't find it. The the ones that freak me out, there was a movie like the psychological thrillers. Yes, yeah, there was one with Hugh Jackman. I want to think it was called Prisoners. Did you ever watch that? No, I think it was Prisoners. It was basically a child got abducted. I left that movie theater. I didn't have kids at the time. I left that movie theater. My hands were sweaty and I was like shaking. And, and it wasn't a scary Don't movie. watch it now that you do have kids. I know. But it was a psychological thriller to the point where I'm like, this shit happens. Like <laughs> a clown riding around on a bike, like yes. being like, I don't know, like 
low calories like that. Well, I don't care about that. Like, I think that was, I didn't ever actually like fully watch that movie. That's but, too far fetched. Yes. Where like someone abducting a child. I'm like, that's that way happen. too real. Mm-hmm. And then that's the thing that would like, would, so those kind of movies are the ones where I'm like, I don't even like to watch those because those hit too close to home and yeah. those will be the ones that give me nightmares. Like, I can't do this stuff with kids anymore since I no, had kids. No. I can't read articles about stuff happening to kids. Ever since I had kids, it just, it really bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, if, and, and then the other thing too is that I'm in a, like, like we made a golf tournament for four of the kids. We, like, I like, like when you start reading about the things like the backpack program and things that affect kids, it's like, whole, like that's the thing when you look at, like you try so hard to take care of your own kids that when you realize that other kids don't have that, like I say, advantage or they don't have like, aren't yeah. as lucky, yep. then it breaks your heart because you're like, mm-hmm. that kid did nothing wrong. And then, yeah. so then it's like, that's the stuff that really affects me more than, even more than so than adults. Because at times I'm like, adults, I'm like, trust me, adults face hardship all the time. But I also am like. But they're I, not helpless. But like I think they are. can deal with it in certain regards where kids are very dependent. Yeah. So then it's like kids need both again i don't want to make it sound like i'm insensitive insensitive but i'm always like the same thing with pets like i will always choose to take care of like people over animals because mm-hmm. i'm always like no offense to pets but like they don't live that long and they're dogs you don't have any i do but yeah. i'm not a big like i've never been a huge pet person in the sense of like a human life yeah like i just always that's always what i weigh of like I, I think like any organization for pets or helping out pets is great. If your heart's in that place and you want to do it, I think it's great. I always weigh it on the human to animal side. I know humans are animals, but human to pet, whatever. <laughs> right. And then I also deal Cat with... Cat versus But kid. I also look at like basic necessities. Like we want to raise money for mm-hmm. this cool new technology, which I think is great, but they're raising money for food and shelter and clothing. I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, that's more important because yeah. those are basic living. So like in my head when I have to pick stuff, that's how I triage. Like I always go to like, what's, what's a necessity? Like yep. what really needs help with? Um, yeah, but a little more fun stuff. What podcast do you listen to? <laughs> uh, we, we've talked about this. I ta- I listen to armchair expert. That's my number one. I listen Which to Dax Shepard. That's Dax Shepard. Yeah. I've never listened to that, but give me kind of, how's that structured? So he, um, he has different different formats, but he some of them are celebrity interviews, and those are interesting depending on if it's somebody you're interested in. But what I really like is he has one branch of it called um, Experts on Expert, where he brings in, I don't know, like, let's say a, a, a professor from a university or an expert in some sort of field or whatever. Those ones are really interesting because you learn something new from all of them. I like those ones a lot. And then there's another branch of it called... Um, armchair and dangerous where he has a guy that comes in and this guy always has a different topic that he's going to talk about and it's always something taboo same guy? yes same guy it's a recurring guest that he has on and it's a different taboo to- topic that they're going to talk about and it's usually something like conspiracy theories or um i don't know mole people or you know something weird like that that people are interested in he does a lot of research on it beforehand so that they can talk about it during that so i like it because there's a lot of um I, I learn a lot from, from it and it's yeah. also really funny and relatable at the same time there, you know, I don't want to listen to something where it sounds fake and not genuine. And, and so there's an entertainment value to it too. Oh, like absolutely. Conspiracy theory. And you're like listening in, like, is that true? Is that right? Like, yeah. 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 Um, so is that, that's your go-to? That's my go-to. Do you have any others that you listen to? Um, I listen to a little bit of Joe Rogan. <clears throat> 
Um, usually, usually it's usually it's armchair expert. I was actually listening to your episode of um, Chad Rowling's today. Yes. Yeah, because I never got a chance to listen to it. And first of all, can I just say, my whole life I was calling him Chad Rowling's too. That poor man. <laughs> Me too. I graduated with him. Like I heard that and I went, "What? It's Rowling's." Since when? <laughs> I'm like, Chad, nobody's called you Rollings ever. Ever. Nobody and, calls him and, that. And knowing Chad, this is Chad, he's like, meh, whatever. So it's like, went, not a big deal. He literally went through his entire school career without correcting any of us. Rollings. <laughs> I was like, Blew my mind. Chad, I'm like, we've been calling you Chad Rollings for years. Yeah. And he's like, and, and again, he's just one of those people, he's just like, it didn't really, I didn't, yeah. it didn't affect me. It wasn't a big deal. I know it. Like, and, and again, he's too nice of a guy to tell you like, Hey, my name's Rollings. And, yeah. And I remember saying that and he said it and I was like, like, I don't know. It just caught, it caught me off guard. I was yeah. Like, wait. So it was like Monty when I call, so I call her Monty cause I always mess up her first and last name cause I just pronounce it wrong. <laughs> and it's, it's Prather, not Prather. And I just always, and I'm like, Monty, correct me. And she's like, it's, it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. She's too nice. I'm like, just, just say, Gail, I mean, stop we've me all been in that situation. Actually the other day when I was at the, when I was at the doctor and I was, I was so sick, I couldn't even correct the poor nurse comes in and she called me Callie the entire time I was there. I was there on an IV for three hours. And every time she came in to check on me, she was going, how you doing Kelly? I'm good. <laughs> and at a certain point, bother. you can't correct her anymore. No. You don't catch it on the first or second. I don't feel do well it. enough to tell you my name's not Callie. <laughs> Just make sure it's right on the prescription or whatever you're going to yeah, get Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, Callie, I mean, Caitlin, she's like, oh, yeah. like that. she's too nice. Um, yeah. So, but, oh, but I listened to a news podcast um, and it's just um, Wall Street Jun- Journal. Um, okay news and it's it's just like a little snippet but it's a really good one because it's not um it's not politicized it's not going to be leaning one way or the other and yeah. it's not long either it's not a conversational type banter what is it? news Which one is it? it's called let me grab, hold on it's it's a new it's a news podcast or? yeah but it's just it's really nice because they do like a quick like it's a 15 minute in the morning, 15 minute in the afternoon, and I listen to it while I'm getting ready in the morning. It's just a really nice way to fig- to hear what's stuff. going on in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's news? What's Wall Street Journal? What's news? And so it's it's just a really it's a good little synopsis of what's going on in the world because I don't have a whole lot of time to you know read the paper or watch watch the news on tv and that sort of thing so it's it's nice for me to turn it on while i'm getting ready in the morning and i can hear what's going on and then they do another episode in the afternoon are you um are you more of a listener to talking versus music mm-hmm. so like yeah if you're doing i mean like, i love music but if you're like walking or working out or doing like housework or yard work or something it's usually music or car rides no or not car rides i mean it's podcasts or it's usually music. yeah it's usually podcasts um it's usually the news that sort of thing because because it's my own or or like a book on tape or something like that i love to listen to music and like in the afternoons when we're cooking dinner that's you know dance party time that's when we're having our music on dancing in the kitchen with the kids and that kind of thing um but in the morning if i'm if i'm by myself or if i'm doing dishes i've got my airpods in and i'm listening to something yeah we're the same person I, <laughs> like I, I have to do the di- i'm like my one of the things i always do at night is the dishes and uh and wiping just grime off of everything yeah and, uh, <laughs> like, i usually put a, pod- a podcast on and listen and, and yeah. um just makes it go by easier and it's the only t- how else are you going to find time to consume any kind of content when you're working and having kids well, i also like so i like joe rogan like I, he's my number one he's your if number i had one. to pick if i had to pick one podcast to say you could listen to and you could not listen to any other one i would pick him because of the, the <coughs> variety of people that go on right um and they're silly and they're serious and all that stuff but if i realistically when i go through podcasts i I've gone through so many variations of podcasts on my phone, meaning like just get them off because it's just mm-hmm. it gets to the point where 
I don't have enough time to listen to or keep up with them. Did you listen to Dr. Death? No. <gasps> Write it down. Dr. Death. Crazy. Yeah, it's like a What's that about? It's um it's a true story. Um and it's about this doctor who basically kind of skated through medical school under the radar and was performing botched surgeries on all kinds of people. Frank Abagnale from uh, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, sort of like that. It was nuts. It w- and it's like a what? It's like a series sort of it's podcast. Say a limited series. Yeah. So there's okay. maybe only a certain amount of episodes, it but like, it's crazy. Is it like Serial? The podcast Serial, which is like murder mystery. Um, it's a pretty popular podcast, but no. it's also not really. Of course, I, I was talking to Nicole the other day. She said something. I'm like, what's it with girls and like murder mysteries and documentaries and prison <laughs> shows and serial killers? And so that was it. And I'm, I don't and, fall into that category. I'm not one of those people. But I was recommended Dr. Death and it, it, it lived up to the recommendation. Okay. Yeah. So my usually my go-to is, like I said, Rogan, if I want to just kind of zone out, like, and I don't want to... If I'm snow blowing, if I'm doing some yard work, mm-hmm. if I'm mowing the lawn, like I'll put him on because I don't have to really pay attention. Yep. Um, and then I have a couple podcasts where I actually learn. Um, these are kind of real estate or business related where I listen to them, but I want to really consume and think about it as, yeah. I'm, as I'm listening. So those are like car rides or mm-hmm. um, when I really have alone time. Um, and then I books on tape is kind of in between. Mm-hmm. So dishes, sometimes I'll put it on, but sometimes it's like stuff I really want to consume and focus on. So if I know I'm going to be semi-distracted by doing something, like mowing the lawn, it's mowing the lawn. Like you yeah. don't have to think. So you can yeah. just go. But if I'm, you know, like redoing our toilet that I was doing, like that takes a little more thought process. So yeah. sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to look for that tool, but now I'm not thinking about what I'm listening to. Yeah. So that might be a Rogan or mm-hmm. just a very like easy Car code. rides are good for the thinkers. Correct. So if I can, so I look, listen to books on tape too. That's really like car ride. I got a 20 minute ride, put it on. Yep. Let me just listen. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a good escapism, but I think just music, I still, I'm a creature of habit. So the music I listen to is the same music I listened to when I was 12 years old. <laughs> I mean, I like a lot of new music too, but we still go back to the old favorites too. <laughs> yeah. Like if you put on a playlist, like I, I, I'm putting on old playlist that these songs have been out for 20 years and um which is funny because i was like my parents were the same not as much my dad my mom was mm-hmm. like which is fine because i got a very good appreciation for like the 60s and 70s yeah um but yeah so i've always find like i'm gonna listen to the same dave matthews dispatch strange <laughs> folk song over and over again and again i love that music but that's like why i'm in the shower that's you know why i'm you know like i said in the house just want some background yeah. music on um so i do like to consume a lot of information either through books and it's always topics that I enjoy. Like I know we were, you were looking at the, you know, the bookshelf and some of those are, um, stories, but I always end up going back to nonfiction. So I was trying to take a break from it. That's why I was looking at your bookshelf because I mostly in the last year read only nonfiction and I needed a break from it. And Mm -hmm. so I just read the first fiction book that I've read in a long time and I just finished it yesterday. And it was such a nice break to be able to read something and get lost in it. You know what I mean? Because nonfiction, you don't really get lost in it. You it's enjoyable. You know, you have to think about it. Sometimes it's a little dense. But fiction, you can kind of just... its I like a good page turner every now and then. I, I got to get back to that because I... Um, the book I'm on right... The hard copy book I'm on right now is taking me over a month to read. Oh, that's and, just life of parenthood, right? Yeah. Well, it's that. <laughs> and the, the, well, the problem is, too, if I read five pages, that could take me... 20 minutes because I, I, I write in books. Mm. So like 
Catherine Brown shout out. Like I still yep. like to hashtag Catherine. AP Lex. annotating. Yep, annotating. <laughs> Insight, evidence, fluency, meaning. She, I she would be proud. I actually remember that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Catherine, but, are you listening? <laughs> so, um, but going through the books, like I will bend pages. I will write in them. I'll jot yep. ideas. Like so, I try to use my books as like resources. So when I want to go back, I already have pages marked up. So I'm like, because that's where my mind went. Yeah. And sometimes if I really want to dive back in, I'll reread it. But. Um, the book I'm going through has so much stuff that I'm like, I'm reading through and I'm underlining and I'm jotting notes down that it's taken me so long because every, almost every page has something on it. Or good, every, every good, couple. good nuggets in it. Yeah. So it's, it's more of focusing and sometimes it's thought provoking or sometimes it's like, ugh. and then all of a sudden I realize I'm like, I've been reading for 45 minutes. I've gotten through 10 pages. What book so, are you reading right now? Uh, it's called Radical Candor. It's that yellow, orange, I'm okay. colorblind. It's right there. It's it, you actually might like it, um, and I think you, you would be very much better at it than I am with having done a lot of ma- um, uh, managing in the past. So it's kind of like a managerial book, but it's like a communications book, and it's it's kind of the idea of radical candor, meaning be direct but come from a place of caring. Yep. So it's it's more of if I'm asking you to do something, I'm not doing it just for the sake of asking you to do it, and I don't think or Maybe the work wasn't good, but it's not saying you're bad. It's just saying that work wasn't up to the level, but I'm going to call you out on it, but because, but in a good way, not because I'm not like an attack, like you suck, but more of an attack <coughs> of like, okay, well, I know we can do better or yeah. I know. So it's, it, there's a lot of like good information things. And some of the stuff I've learned, I'm like, okay, I, I have that tendency. Like, let me think about it. Let me try to get better at it. And cause I'm mm-hmm. always trying to get better. Um, and the funny thing is like the books I'm reading now, it's it's going deeper into other skill sets that I have to learn. Right. So like that and the book I'm listening now, I've already listened to it once, but years ago. So now I'm re I'm, I'm rereading it years later where I think it's more relevant now than it was when I read it's called essentialism. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically it's essentialism, meaning like what's actually essential, like do what's, what's important. important, not yeah. do, don't do everything, do what's important and impactful. And that's really where I found my life is right now. It's like there's so many things to do and so many you get pulled so many different directions. It's like what what do you actually need to do? And like say no to other stuff and cut stuff and just say, hey, I was going to do that, but I'm just not going to do it anymore because you have – again, life's busy and you only have so much time. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of it is like even learning those skill sets. So it's – Books are great though. I think, do you read often hardcover or no, or hard copy? I try, I, I read hard copies more than I do, um, books on tape. Okay. I've only done a handful of books on tape. I prefer to have an actual book in my hand, but you know, but then you end up reading a whole lot less because it's just so hard to get that dedicated time. Correct. And I, all things being equal, I probably equal, I always, should do more books on tape because I'd get through a lot more probably. Yeah, and that's really where – and I listen at a faster speed. Mm-hmm. So I really Same. rip through books because it's um, – but yeah, the, like if I could just sit down, relax, and just open up a book and read it, that's very relaxing to me. Mm-hmm. Naturally, that the times I actually get to do that are very slim. So mm-hmm. it's like just put on – I got a 20-minute ride. I know that. Yeah. 20 minutes. I get through whatever – how many pages that is? Maybe 15 pages. Like just let's roll. Um, no, so it's good. Um I want to do um, Matt, Matthew McConaughey's uh, autobiography. Greenlight? Have you read it? Is it Greenlight? Yes. I have not, but I've heard it's, it's good. It's on my list of two listens. What autobiography? Because it's, um, it's, he narrates it himself. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. When books are read by the authors, it it's elevates It's so much it. better. Like I read the, the Ray Dalio book I was telling you about. It's yeah. a long book. It took I just finished it. And um, I think it was like, a f- well, I read it 
like with with the increased speed, it was almost ten hours. Yeah. And uh, and it's dense, but it's it's a very good flow. But the thing is, he read like the first and the last chapter, and he's a busy dude. So he gets up at the end of the first chapter. He goes, "All right, so so and so is going to take it over." Um, Basically, I don't have time to read the rest of this book to you. So he read the first and last chapter, but I found the most enjoyable was the first and last chapter because I knew it was his voice. Because it was his, yeah. yeah I'm listening to Barack Obama's right now, too, and it, he's got a very distinct voice, But too. I've heard it's in his voice. It is in his voice. So it's I had, so cool. So I have a, a friend. Very uh, dense, though. So there's a girl I had on this podcast, and she is like a serial reader. Mm. And her, I, I love following. So she reads a lot of uh, fiction books. And she reads a lot of, um, she reads a lot of different things, but she does like, could be romance or thrillers. Or she does all these things. And I, uh, <clears throat> she posts on Instagram. Last year, she read slash listened to 150 books. Holy cow. So like, it's almost like every day she's posting. What does she do for work? Um, she, she used to work um, in Lake Placid and is now going back to like school for like a medical position. Oh, okay. Um, but I asked, I had her on the podcast on we were talking about it. I said, so, like, what's your secret? And I said, do you speed read? And I, I think she can speed read to a sense, but she's not one of those, like, crazy people that will finish a book in, like, an hour or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's that she just always, she said she always has, like, a few books going. Yeah. Because she goes, I read what I'm, in, what I'm in the mood for. So if I just feel like I want that book, I'll read that book. And then she kind of bounces around where I'm always one book. Get I'm through the, one book. That's the problem. I'm too stubborn. Yeah, so I'm like, like, no, I have to finish this. <laughs> yeah, so that book, I have not opened another book. Even though I keep opening books, I'm like, I kind of am more interested in reading this one, but I got to finish this one. Yeah, yeah, and, I'm the uh, same way. So she's a mental roadblock. Yeah, so she's like, I could take me a month or two to finish a book just because I'm not really feeling it at times. And I'll just start ripping off these other books that are mm. like page turners. But she listens to music on pot, like on going on walks or doing stuff around the house. She'll listen to books and then she'll read books like hardcover. So she, it's, it's kind of cool when you look at the people that can, can, like I like reading books and I, I found uh, this thing that the average CEO in a year reads 60 books. So my goal this year is to read or listen to 60 books. Mm. I don't know if I can it's do it. It's a good goal. I don't know if I can do it. I'm on, I've done six so far. That will be seven. I'm almost Since on the, January? Since January. That's great. Yeah. And I'm not a fast reader. So I would say half of those are hardcover. Half of those are um, audio books. Almost done that book. I, if I really sat down for about an hour, I probably could finish that book. And then in my audio book will probably be done by today or tomorrow. And then I have a few other ones that I know are a little bit shorter and less dense than that that mm-hmm. I can probably get through in a few days. So Anything really noteworthy out of those six? Um, so one of the – I'll show them to you over there. I have a list over there. But like the Ray Dalio book I thought was good because it talked about the changing world order. And basically it was like a history book. So it went through – and it really dove deep into like the economics, but also the cyclical and psycho, or like the cycles of of um, powers and emperors over history, and everything. When he's talking about history, repeats itself. He goes, "Well, this is and how why, they came into power." Yeah, and like this is how it repeats itself. He goes, "You have this. So when you get to this point in your superpower, what happens as a superpower? Your responsibilities now go up because now you're responsible for more world order. So what happens basically was that as you go into that." But then it takes resources. Now you build up militarily because you have to defend your, you know, your power. Mm-hmm. And then it other, creates itself. It's just, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just it basically you get to a certain point that you bring on responsibilities that then naturally now you start having these rising powers because they are in conflict. But now because they're in a strategic position where they can rise, 
then you start seeing stuff fall. So it's very macro um, driven. Um, and he went through like the Chinese and the Dutch and the British and the US and Russia like, and Russia. So what happened? Yeah, and the Russian Empire. So what happened is that you, the last bit he talks about is because this just came out I think last year. Yeah, was basically China in the US and Russia was the three big ones. And he's going through and he goes, I'm just like, and it's not. He's not a political person because he works with people all over the world and in economics things. So he goes, it's just very much like I'm just saying this as a an economist has been doing this for 40 something years at a very high level. This is what I'm seeing. This is how it works. I'm giving you predictions, not because I'm special, but because this is what's happened over hundreds of years, Mm -hmm. like clockwork. And basically he was talking about the reason that China rose as a superpower, obviously with a different, um, way of going about it through like, you know, communism and state, you know, running versus like a democracy and everything else. But he goes, the, the difference is China, over the last like 30 years has really risen, but they've been led by a certain way of doing things, which is basically state governance and, and you know, the communism aspect. But he goes, what happened is if you look at China from where they were then to where they are now, they've grown tremendously. Mm-hmm. And he goes e- economically and everything else. And he goes militarily and, and, and he goes, you see Russia doing the same. And now you're starting to see things unfold with those, those superpowers. And the scary part is he said that most major, um, most major superpowers follow about a 250-year um, cycle. U.S. is hitting their 250-year cycle from when we were actually a country. Mm. Um, so when you're starting to see that, and you start to see stuff unravel, and you're starting to see like you know things either whether economy or or you know you're starting to see very things uh, things very much politicized. Mm-hmm. That um, he kind of pointed to like this is just the you're Part talking about the, the, the ebbs and flows of of um, superpowers. So we're <clears> on a fall, and now these countries are on an increase now. What will happen? He goes, he started talking about conflicts. I think he said the fifth or sixth conflict is is militarial conflict. But he goes, you have technology conflict, mm-hmm. you have economic conflict, you have social conflict. So all these things start to happen in these orders. So hopefully it doesn't get to militarily, but you see that typically wars happen every you know, 50 years. And um, it's very good if people like... Crazy it, how relevant that's become, huh? Well, that's the thing when he when he wrote it, I'm like, and it and it's even a, a year from now. It's like holy crap! Like, this is all very relevant because he's talking about stuff that's happening now because he predicted it. Um, but other other books that I've read, it, you know, a lot of them have to do with uh, people and culture and leadership. Um, ben Horowitz is an author. He's, he used to be a still is part of like a Silicon Valley kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and he had a bunch of books on that. The, the girl that wrote this book, she was a high up exec at Google and then Apple. And she's kind of given her perspective on leading, you know, a lot of teams and kind of mm-hmm. dynamics and things like that. So, you know, trying to replicate and taking what I can and bring it down. And you're like, we don't, I don't run Google, but I, but there's a lot of um, similarities. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, but they did it that way. And this is best. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I've seen that. So it's me just trying to make um, connections and really trying to grow off of that. But that's pretty much it. They're boring. They're nonfiction books. So, I mean, yeah. it's. Um, right now it's kind of looking at books about time management and efficiency and things is like my next real probably month. I'm probably going to have about two or three books on that that I'm trying to dive into. Is it going to be nonfiction for the whole year? Well, I'm like you. I, I feel that you're going to need a fiction break. I feel like I just have to like, for the peace of mind, I have to just grab like, I have a couple Dan Brown books. I I love Dan Brown, but, um, I have never finished and they're page turners. So part of me is like. Just, I only read the one, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, so I mean, Da Vinci Code's fantastic, but like Angels and Demons is great. 
Um, the Lost Symbol's great. And so Inferno, I haven't read. And I started reading it about five years ago. And I got about 150 pages in. My bookmark's probably still in there. I just never finished it. <laughs> but if I can go back and just read through it, yeah. I might, for sanity purposes, need, yeah, take need a, the quick page turner. Take, take a, a mental break from it for a little while. So because I, otherwise, you won't. You, your brain needs it to be able to absorb more of it, right? Correct. So <laughs> I think that would be a nice little, like, ah, this feels good. Just yeah. relaxing. Um, any books that... You have, is it green light? What else we have? Green light. Um, there's a, God, what else did I want to read? I don't know. I've got a list at home that aren't in front of me right now. And you're a library person? I just got back into it. Okay. Um, and this is the Plasburg library? Yeah, because I was going with my kids. Mm-hmm. I like to bring them because I always used to go when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, and I started looking at the selection for adults and going, you know, I don't need to buy a book every time Mm -hmm. I read a book. Why don't I just borrow them again? Because I used to all the time. So I just, you know. Although it's a a lot of pressure for me because I can't read them that quickly because I'm so busy. And so I'm looking at it going, shit, this thing's due tomorrow. And I still have half a book to read. I did that yesterday. (laughs) Is it a a week or two weeks? Um, It's either two weeks or a month, depending on how high demand the book is. So if it's a newer book, it's two weeks. Okay. But you get a month if it's an older book. So, do they have a lot of nonfiction books there? They do. They have um, there's their selection. I think is probably better than what I've seen, but it's because there's a lot of people that utilize it. So there's a lot of things that are gone. So a lot of the time, I I find what I'm looking for is not there. So you get more more fiction there. I well, I just started doing it, so I got a couple of fiction. I got one fiction book and I got one nonfiction book. The other one was called um, uh, The Power of Failure, I think it was something. It was a parenting book about okay. basically letting your kids fail. Oh yeah, which is great. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a big like, I want my kids to struggle. Well, in you a know. good way because it teaches them and makes them grow. Well, you said it gets you out of your comfort zone. Yep. Like, like all right, jump off that. Yeah, exactly. Like, touch that. <laughs> don't be so. Don't be so. You know, what do they call it? A helicopter parent. Yeah. Don't shelter them. Don't shelter them so much. Yeah. I, let them figure it out on their own. Yeah, and there's times they'll. You know, I just let him, my son, my youngest son is this like. How old is he now? Like just over one. He's, oh my gosh. So he sits there and he like throws these tantrums. <laughs> and so he's sitting there yesterday. So the thing I want to say is like he throws a tantrum. He'll take his head and he just smashes it on the floor, like head busts the floor. <laughs> like, dude, it's fine if you're hitting a pillow or carpet. But he said he's done on hardwood before. And he gets up and starts crying. I'm like, dude, you've done this multiple times. Like that floor is not getting any softer. <laughs> it's not going to uh, change. So yesterday he does something and my son, did, my oldest son does something. So our youngest is like in a hitting phase. So he'll turn and slap. So he's trying to do that to my wife and she like snaps at him. And of course he like loves her. And he's, I call him a stage five clinger from wedding, wedding, wedding crashes. But he, That's uh, my son. Yeah. He's just like all there. And I'm like, so he would slap her and she's like, no. And he'll look at her and he'll go to slap. And she's like, no. And she was like, like he's one, but he's yeah. like, what's going on? And so yesterday he goes to hit. I'm like, Hey, I said, Penn, no, we're not doing that. We don't slap. And he's like looking at me. So then crew goes and crew comes walking back again. He tries to hit him again as he goes through. I'm like, Listen, like you're not doing this. He just like, or he'll sit there and he'll grab something and just throw it at me. And I'm like, you're one dude. Stop with the tantrums. But, um, but yes, it's the idea of just letting them screw up. I've and, heard talk of the third child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had that. We ran. We ran into Rolf's. You saw. Yeah. You saw the whole contingency that time. And uh, yeah, so it's it's fun. But he's uh, yeah, different kind of breed. That third child. They're all different, as I'm sure your kids are. They're just different. But. uh <laughs> 
um, yeah, so fa- failure, I like it. So the, um, but you do, I mean, obviously in the library, you don't, can't write in the book. So I think that's it. fiction mm-hmm. books. I think I'd be on like my jam, but I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. So like all of the nonfiction ones that I have, that I've read, they, they're all at my house. There are ones that I've, I've purchased. Um, because I do the same thing. I don't probably not as much, but I definitely un- underline certain things or mark certain pages if it's something that I want to go back to. Yeah. Um, but fiction books, I mean, if you're just going to turn them and burn them. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Know. And, and uh, unless it's something that you really like that you know you're going to read more than once. Like I definitely own all of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> I, I do too. I won't get rid of those. Either no. I'm like it. And, My kids touch them. I'm like, listen, be careful. Those I, things are coveted. Well, yeah. And I, I think... I do think at some point I'll probably reread those. Like as oh, I, me too, with my kids. Yeah. Well, I'd love to have my kids read them. And I, I think uh, even just myself going back through because they were so detailed. Yeah. And there's such a good storyline that... They're it, not just for kids. No, no. And I, I mean, I, but the thing is like, did you read them when they were coming out? Yeah. Yeah. So I was the same. It's like you had to wait a year for the new book to come out. Yeah. The new book came out. I didn't go and get it the night of. I was just like... I bought it the next day or the two days I did, later. Yeah, I didn't I didn't wait in line overnight or anything like that, but I do remember like having mine on reserve at Borders yeah. when Borders was in the yeah. mall. <laughs> I was a big Borders guy. Because oh, I, me too. I, like my parents went to the mall and be like, all right, I'm, yeah, I'll go for a ride. I'm just going to go wander Borders and yeah. just look at books. And yeah. Even to this day, if I go to uh, Vermont, sometimes I'll be like, I'll leave a little earlier or stay a little later because I just want to go to Barnes and Nobles and just yeah. look at books. And uh, I don't. I, there's something comforting about like getting a coffee, just like wandering around the books and just like picking them out, flipping the pages, mm-hmm. reading a couple pages here and there, and just I usually leave with a couple. But it's uh, it's just like a very peaceful. It is. Like there's something about it's a very library. Relaxing. But I find again, do you enjoy books much more now than you did as a kid? No, opposite. Okay. Um, I I wish I I wish I could say that I do. Um, I mean I still enjoy them as much, but I don't. I. It's just a time and attention factor. I don't have the attention span or the time that I had when I when I was a kid. I used to burn through books. I mean, when Outside I read Harry Potter. Outside of the school books. Oh yeah. Okay. But I loved the school books too. I was the geek that was like okay. all about the books that were assigned in school. What was your favorite school book? Um, gosh, The Giver. Really. I loved that was The early. Giver, and I read that several times. But that was um, that one. It was just so far out there. The concepts in it. That was the one with the old man on the cover? That was when the old man on the cover, and it was about a, a, the community that they lived in was like a very dystopian community. Mm-hmm. And they all, everybody had certain roles in the community that they were assigned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one kid was the receiver of knowledge. He was assigned, that was his role that he was assigned. Yes. And the old man was the giver of knowledge. And so basically, they had created this community where nobody knew pain and suffering. I could I could be off because it's been a long time since I've. Read I remember it. reading it. So like, what's your because? Did you ever read the book? Um, I think it's called Anthem. Mm-mm. By I can never pronounce this lady's name. No. On Rand on Anne Rand, A Y N R A N D. She, I don't know. Um, I have the book over there with Fountainhead. I haven't read it, but I have it. And there's a couple other books, but it was similar. But I, th- I think it was called Anthem, where they never used the word I hmm. because there was no – there was no. Um, this is an older book. There was no um, concept of self. It was always pe- like multiple. It was, it was a weird – I read it for AP Lit, and it was similar to like The Giver where like people had – 
classified. I almost want to say like tribute, like the Hunger Games, but it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it was people had roles. I like those ones too. Did you read those? That that was I read all three, and I'm not a fast reader. I read all three books within two weeks. Wow! I, I, and that was it was a summer. Whenever they came out, I was probably in college or just out of college, and I just remember like any free time I had, I just laid on the bed and I read them. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I read through those so quickly to the point where it just felt like one big long book. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were, yeah, I enjoyed those books. Not as much as Harry Potter. If I had to give the knowledge, Harry Potter, Harry Potter takes the cake. Yeah. That's still like (laughs) the upper level, but, um, hunger games were good, but Anthem was a very strange book where you read it. Like this is weird, but when you fit, it was like a thought provoking book, Yeah, probably like the giver. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, yeah, I remember, Giver was early. That was was early. It was like fifth or sixth grade. Something like that, yeah. I have very bad memory of school. Really? Yeah, I don't, for some reason, people will tell, like, I I remember some things, but I do not remember a whole lot. You know what? Like, like, so. Do you have any memories of me in high school? A couple? Good ones only. (laughs) A couple, yeah. I, I, I have a weird memory of riding with you on the bus to a soccer game? Nope. It was to a ski trip. Oh, okay. Oh, I loved those we ski were trips. In high tri- high, high trip. We were in high school going on the trip. Um, I feel like we went to Smuggler's Notch because I remember going there, yeah. but I have no knowledge. The only thing I remember was riding on the bus, I believe with you. There's obviously other people. And we were playing some type of game because this was before cell phones. We were hmm. playing... Um, I don't even remember what the game was. What was that like? Life before cell phones. <laughs> what Simplistic. did we do? We were playing games <laughs> on the bus, which I don't think had to do with cards. I think it was just like verbal games, but I forgot huh. what we were doing. But I remember that. I remember listening to U2. Don't ask me why that was on. Someone had their iPod or something. Oh, was yeah. listening. And then I remember. Walkman. Oh, Walkman. Yeah. No, I think the, the iPod was out. The, the shuffle or whatever. Um, and then I remember going to Smuggler's Notch. I don't remember anything about Smuggler's Notch except this little like base cabin because mm-hmm. I've not been there since. Little base cabin, and I remember not having enough speed to go somewhere, so we had to like get out our bindings out and like trudge through the snow. Yeah, and I was I had only skied like once in my life, and it was I was also skiing with people that only skied like once in their life, so it was kind of a <laughs> it wasn't a great experience because I don't remember them, and it, it, a lot of people go over there, and I just don't remember the mountain. I loved going to Smuggler's Notch. I I loved those ski trips. That's what I, that's how I learned how to ski was going on those high school yeah. ski trips. Yeah, with uh, Mrs. Bayshard, we went. I went the tightest once or twice, yeah. and then Smugglers was like the big one. Yeah, and I was like, this is in Vermont. It's a different mountain. Yeah. Sign me up. Then I get out of school. Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but I remember going that trip, and then um, I mean, I some stuff in like the hard thing for me in high school is like memory wise. If, if it triggers my memory, I'll be like, oh my god, boom, 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 and I'll have it. But someone's got to like bring it into my knowledge. The reason I remember years and and things like that is sports. Because mm-hmm. I remember I'm very. I don't know what it is. I think guys just like inherently know scores and, and teams and players and everything else. But I remember in high school, I remember sports. I remember years. I remember who my teammates were. Um, I remember games. Um, also, music was mm-hmm. big for me because still to this day, if music, if anything came out probably in the late 90s to 2009 or 10, I could give you the exact year it came out. Yeah. Not because I know the year, just I remember listening to this and I was in this year playing this sport or whatever, yeah. and that was popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so music, sports, and then typically teachers. 
even like, that's fuzzy because like me. me i'm like my fifth the fifth grade teachers were and i'm like okay my fifth grade teachers were whatever and i remember they were the teacher when this happened so therefore i was in fifth grade like I mean, that's that's how my See, mind i works. can't even put that together really okay. i don't know why so that's, but but this is the thing as soon as i got out of high school my knowledge of co- my remembrance of college up until probably five years ago is extremely poor yeah like i, I feel like I feel like once I graduated high school and like my college years were like a black hole in my memory because I went to Plattsburgh. <laughs> I worked, I coached, and I went to college. I have no friends from that time period. Mm-hmm. I did nothing. I was like, when people say like, you went to Plattsburgh? I was in Plattsburgh at the same time. Like you didn't see me. Like I, I parked, I went to class, did the same left, thing. and out. And it was just because I had too much stuff going on and I didn't care about school at that point. I, I wish like, I had gotten involved more in like the extracurricular stuff and all of that because I didn't. Did, did you stay at home? No, I lived um, on campus for a couple of years and then I lived in an apartment, but I was dating someone during that time mm-hmm. and it was, you know, yeah, I, I wasn't going, I was hanging out with that person instead of, you know, going to this event or that party or that, you know, trip. Yeah, and I think like hindsight, like I, I wish I had that, but then also part of me is like, well, I was also capable, I was able to do certain things because I made that like sacrifice, even though, but at the time I was... Now I only think back about it because I'm like, oh, that would have been kind of fun to do. But like at the time, if you would have asked me, like, do you want to stay on campus and do all that stuff? Like I was just so driven to be just get it done with. I was like, no, because I got this going on, this going on, this going on. Yeah. And like I knew where I want my priorities were, and it really didn't involve anything to do with campus. It didn't mm. involve anything to do with parties or friends or like I mean, yeah, I party. I, I worked. With... I worked a lot during college. Yeah. So I was like, I just I felt like I was an adult going to college, even though I was college age, because yeah. I just didn't. Um, and like, yes, did I party with friends? Absolutely. But it was like, you know, local friends that I knew that we just hung out. Like I didn't, yeah. So it was just, but I, I have no regrets with how I did college. It's just my, it's literally a black hole in my mind. Because if you, if you ask me anything from that time period, I'm like, I really don't know. It's like, amazing to me how people have such good memories of their past. And can, like my dad was like that. He could tell a story about Sometime in co- or in high school, detailed when too. Him right. and this guy and that guy and so and so was there and th- this guy said that and he has a whole like funny story to go along. And I'm like, how the hell do you remember this stuff? Yeah, I remember vague stuff. I remember that I went to this field trip. Do I remember who I sat with on the bus or what we talked about? I don't know why I remember you, but there's a couple people <laughs> I, I remember at the time. Yeah, but yeah, like if you if I said it, I'd be like, well, I remember those. And the only reason I remember some of those details because we're talking about it. But yeah. I just remember like. Yeah, I remember just going to Smuggler's Knots, but I don't remember anything about the trip. Yeah. Like, besides, like, we went skiing, but, like, I have no, like, I couldn't tell you any, I don't even know where the mountain is, I, and I know where it is now, because I've looked it up <laughs> since, because I was curious, but yeah. I've never been in the mountain. So, um, yeah, people that have memories, my wife has a friend from college that her memory is scary good, huh. to the point where I'm like, wow, like, she remembers every name, every event, every, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, like I, if you told me, like I know you, but if you would told me your kids' names, and then like two weeks later, I've been like, oh my god, I don't remember the kids' name. No, I know yeah. she has two kids, yeah. like, and that's like my kids. I'm like, I don't expect you to know the names. You know, I have kids. Do you like, remember your kids' names? Most days. <laughs> so you're doing okay. <laughs> I, I have gotten to the point though where I'll call them the opposite yeah. name. Like, Pen, that crew, stop. Like stop. Yeah, so, I'm doing the same thing. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so that's I don't think it's gonna ever stop. But um, well, Caitlin, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. 
This was not, not you, this is great. This is fun. <laughs> I figured we, we didn't even get to really talk about the old Shazy days, but it's okay. It's 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 good. I love the Next school. Next time. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back. I, I like bringing on people that are fun to talk to, so it's good. I think it's like, a, and again, it's a mental break. You just kind of like relax during the day. But like, this is kind of like a little field trip. It just, kind of is like a little field trip. Beautiful view. Yeah, we get, and uh, like you were early, but if it was later in the day, you know, we could have went a little harder than the water, but it was good. We're hydrated. There's no kidney issues. No, no, no IV <laughs> Jeez, bags. I'm being such pumped a in. hot mess right now. <laughs> You did. You pulled it. To, you pulled it together really well today. So, uh, so uh, Caitlin, if anybody needs to reach you, contact you. Yes. How can they do so? Um, so <clears throat> they can contact me. At, my email is uh, Caitlin C A I T L I N dot King K I N G at Arrow A R R O W Arrowbank dot com, um, and my uh, phone number is five one eight. Um, what is it? Oh my God! I don't know. What don't ask phone me. Number. Well, we're just just say, send me an email and I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> Glens Falls National, downtown, you, right? That's where you're, you're down there? Yeah, so I'm located at the Durkee Street location, but yeah. I'm all over the place, so it doesn't have they to They can track you down. Email's best. Email's best. LinkedIn, whatever. You, you'll find her. Email um, LinkedIn. So um, that, so one there, um, that's episode 184 with our trailblazer of the year, <laughs> Caitlin King. We're Thanks. out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.